Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, Canada's longest-running soccer podcast and the only soccer show on Vancouver Radio. Broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful and somewhat stormy British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And what a pat show we've got for you this week. Would you expect anything different, Zach? No. That means that there's no white caps, there's no CPL to talk about, but we've got a five-hour show ahead because we've been doing a lot of chats this week and there is a, a lot of football to talk about. We are starting our white caps end-of-season stroke off-season stuff in this episode We'll be really taking a, a bigger dive in, in the coming weeks, but we're, we're going to start things off. We'll be hearing from Vanny Sartini. We'll be hearing from Axel Schuster. We've got a couple of chats with some Whitecaps Canadian players, Ali Ahmed, Sam Kugby, and we've got a lot more to talk about as well. We'll be doing a movie review even. But I want to, before we get into all of that, I just want to have a little chat about the, the football that has taken place this weekend because this has been an absolutely tremendous weekend for BC College and University Soccer. In U Sports, in CCAA, in NCAA, the BC schools are going strong because for the eighth time, a record increasing eighth time, UBC Thunderbirds women are your U Sports national champions beating your girls from Trinity Western. What an absolutely fantastic run this team has got under Jesse Simons. Some absolute quality in there. And they won the big show this afternoon with a 119th minute winner from U Sports Player of the Year, Kat Tony, heading home. And the good times can begin. Congrats, yeah. I mean, in, in all seriousness, I know you're not really a Trinity uh, Western supporter as such, but you did. You went there for a little bit, didn't you? Uh, well, technically, I went to, I, I've done some courses at Axe Seminary, which is on the campus at, at Trinity Western. Ah. So. 
I, I thought I thought actually you were going to talk about when you're excited about big matches the the Nachador. The Nachador? <laughs> Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. Saints <laughs> Forn. I have yeah, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched the highlights yet. I didn't even know what it was until I was looking up some scores. There was apparently a match between Miami FC and NYC FC. And it's called the the Nachador. Do you know I, I saw that? Or I saw those two teams advertised on Apple. Yeah. On Friday like, night, and I was like, oh, but that's a mistake. It Yeah. No, it was not a It was an actual live match. I have not watched the highlights, but yes, it was. Guess who won? Messi. <laughs> well, unless he played Apple TV. Apple TV. <laughs> I don't even know if he played. I haven't even looked at uh, I, I, yeah, I, I would imagine that this has just been arranged for Messi <laughs> to uh, get some um, games on Apple. Let's, let's see if he actually played. I'll tell you if he played here in a second. Oh, he did start. Yeah, he started. Uh, it was a 2-1 victory for... For Man City Light against Golden Balls Light. Oh, superb! Um, goals from Fernandez and Talis. Uh, he's he's not a bad player. And then who scored? They also provide my internet and my cable TV. Robinson scored for uh, for the uh, the Inters. Wow! So basically, they're just creating their own postseason. I, I yeah, I guess it, I, it's it's not bad enough that sixty percent of the league can get into the postseason, but we'll still have the other teams playing something. It, literally, like it's like it, the Nacha Nacha door. Can you? I don't know if you can wow. see that. No, I can. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't how I was thinking it. Hmm. Am I saying that right? Nacha yeah, door. Yeah, I would. I, mean, I would say it's so. a golden the golden knight. Is that what that yeah. means? Yeah. So does this mean the CPL is going to have a game between Valor and Vancouver? <laughs> The basement door, <laughs> and whoever loses falls it's, out of the trap door out, yeah. into a, into League One. Yeah, it does sound like a, actually like a relegation yeah. playoff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor into Miami now in the same league now as Miami well, FC. I haven't checked who won tonight because uh, maybe they play the winner of the USL Championship. Oh, that ah, that was exciting. That was Phoenix. Oh, they rose because they but, they rose but, over. Literally, they did. Phoenix Rising scored a 90th minute equaliser and then won the game on penalties. Oh, I hadn't got a chance to see that yet. Oh, well, you, I, you I, asked I wanted, me, so I, I spoiled want, it I for you. Sacrament, I wanted Sacramento Republic to to win the yeah, I, final. I, I did as well, but I mean, getting back to college soccer, I want, I've, got, yeah. I've, I've got a lot more congratulations to do here. So, well done to, to UBC's women on their eighth national title. Also, I've got to say well done as well to Trinity Western. And one of my favourite things from this game is UBC's teams under Jesse Simons, they're, they're quite physical, which, as you can imagine, I love. These girls are not afraid to put themselves about a bit. And in the Canada West final a week ago, in the first 10 minutes, there was my favourite rotational kicking of a player as four different UBC players just took out the Spartans girl. But it kind of it continued in this game with Sofia Ferreira... Uh, I don't know if she broke her nose or knocked the tooth of Sophie Crowther out in the first half. And then she did a, a wrestling slam in the second half and she got the foul going in her favour. Tremendous stuff. And then at the end of the game, UBC won the Fair Play Award. <laughs> it brought a smile to my face. So well done to UBC women. Gold medal winners in the U Sports women's side. And the men picked up bronze 
beating Mount Royal Cougars in the bronze medal matchup this morning from Cape Breton. They should have been going for gold. They let two goals in in the space of 90 seconds when the game looked to be going to extra time. They were just caught pushing forward and then caught a second time. And this was a men's team that was one of the best men's teams for a long time. And the wait goes on. They haven't won a national title since 2013. They've had so many good players come through that programme. Caleb Clark, Victor Bushel, uh, Tommy Gardner, Nick Fussell. Oh, so many good players, but the wait goes on. But well done to the women. In NCAA, it was a double GNAC championship win for SFU. The Red Leafs, I, I headed out to the game on Saturday afternoon. Now, I think I talked in a previous show I was trying to get to my first game of the season up the mountain a few weeks back and it got postponed because of the fog. Well, this game was meant to go at one o'clock, but they brought it forward because I had to play it at Burnaby Lake because of the fog. So I woke up at five to ten to a message from SFU head coach Clint Schneider saying, oh, the game's been moved to ten o'clock at Burnaby Lake. Now, he sent it to me at 8.20, probably imagining that a normal person would be up at that time on a Saturday. So I woke up at 5 to 10, threw my clothes on, made a tea, jumped in the car, got there at 20 past 10, (laughs) and I missed SFU scoring four goals in that first 20 minutes. They ended up winning 5-1, won the GNAC Championship. They're going into the NCAA National Tournament. They'll find out what their fate is on Monday when all the schedule is announced. But the women, the women's slightly different. They have a final four, and it was in Ellensburg, Washington. And they went into that as the fourth seed. And for the first time ever, the fourth seed advanced to the championship game, knocking out the number one seed. And not only did they do that, in the final, they beat the defending national champions, to bring home the gold. And again, it was a late winner in the women's side. So pleased for for SFU. Isabella Mussolini, TSS Rovers player, got the goal that put them ahead and then just fantastic stuff to to win it 2-1. So well done to both the SFU teams. Their seasons continue as the NCAA tournament kicks off at the end of this coming week. And my final well done, Douglas College Royals men. Mm. won their second national title in CCAA on penalties out in Ontario. It's just been a fantastic weekend for BC Colleges. There has been some other games to talk about, which we won't delve into tons, but Canada kicked off their under-17 campaign with a 2-0 loss, I think it was in the end, to Spain. And... A very respectable 2-0 loss. Did you you watch the game or did you fast-forward through it? Oh, no, no, I watched the game. Yeah. Did you watch it live? No, at five in the morning. No, this time, this time I chose not to watch. Live. No, I. Do you know what? I didn't get your your message oh, on okay. Friday. I only saw it on Saturday. Oh, okay. for whatever reason, because I know you've been having trouble with the WhatsApp messages showing up. I I just didn't see it. So yeah. I I hadn't messaged you because I didn't know if you'd watched it or not. But I thought they put in a very respectable show. And oh. after going down to 10 men Harsh. I didn't know Tim Ford was down in Indonesia <laughs> at this World technically, Cup. I, technically I think it would be over in Indonesia but yeah, yeah. it's right over, isn't it? under what's well, down it's, it's definitely it's south. a little bit down okay yeah oh yeah it's closer yeah you're right it's it's over and down but I mean if anyone hasn't seen it what a ridiculous sending off that was 
Yeah. Mauro Biello's son, who he was speaking so proudly about yes. winning a World Cup as well. I really felt for him. It so, was very harsh. It, it was a foul for Canada, and Biello Jr. ran over to get the, get ball. the ball in, in a very wet pitch. And his foot extended. He slipped. As he, tried, he slipped. Foot and then extended he as he's picking the ball. on the guy's ankle. Yeah. Absolutely accidental. Yellow card, maybe. A red card, no way. Well, didn't he? He got a yellow and then they regave it or they gave yeah. nothing? After. Yeah. He got a yellow, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was extremely harsh. I, yeah. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game, to, to no. be honest. But no, but Canada had some chances. They were only one nil down at that point. EJ himself had had some chances. Oh yes, he was uh, looking I mean, good. Very, very proud of him. And even, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I was really happy. I think I thought the team acquitted themselves well. They have a. Are you recording Monday mornings? Uh, yes, right? I, I, I will be. So the time that this comes out, folk will know the result of the second game. I haven't had a chance to watch today's matches yet. They're in my PVR. Oh, Did you I, watch I'm, Saturday's games? No, I'm only. I do. I only recorded uh, Canada and Germany's matches so far, and I've watched Canada's and I've watched most of Germany's, of which I'm pretty sure I can guess the result. The well, Germany. do you do you know the results of the other two games on Saturday with Argentina and? No, you can tell me. You can tell me all. Oh, that. right. Well, so. Argentina were playing Senegal and they were 2 0 down nice. at half time. They nice. did get a goal in stoppage time, but Senegal beat Argentina 2 1. Love it. And you thought that was going to be the shock of the day. Oh no. Brazil, Iran. <laughs> Brazil. Sorry, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard any of this. Oh, Brazil were 2 0 up at half time. Iran, three second-half goals in the space of 20 minutes to come away with a 3-2 victory. Wow. Uh, and I tell you, they were full value for it as well. I mean, that that's the the only games we'll kind of talk about in the intro. I was going to, as well, talk about the, the lack of media that had turned up at TFC's end-of-season press conference. But I'm going to actually save that oh, for yeah. us to have a, a deeper chat about Canadian soccer in a later show because... I saw you tweeting about that. Well, yeah, I tweeted about it. Gareth Wheeler had a, a good thing on One Soccer about it and I tweet about it. Armin Bedakarian had a, a good Twitter thread about it as well. So I, I think that's something for another day. We should save it. I just want to say there was one awkward comment that I didn't reply to that was basically uh, having a go at Gareth Wheeler, which I understand, but then also having a go at One Soccer, including the statement not creating opportunities in the industry. And I was like, one soccer. Yeah, the, the only soccer. the only actual TV yeah. station stroke company that is providing jobs in Canadian exactly. soccer. Exactly. So it was just a little bit. I was just like, who? I can't remember who made the comment, but it was really, it yeah, was, it was really odd. But we'll get into all of that in a in a future show because I think it's a very good chat to have, and we'll maybe have some talking heads on one of our panels that I keep promising that we'll do in these off seasons. But the off seasons are just getting so busy. And as regular listeners will know, these are my favourite shows to do. And if you thought the normal season shows were long when we had actual games to talk about, strap yourself in because we are in for a feast of footballing chat over the coming weeks and months. And we're, we're going to start off in this part. We're going to be kicking off our Whitecaps end of season stroke off season start chat because the off season has started. Vanny and Axel held their 
end of season presser on Tuesday and they held meetings with the players on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this week with roster decisions announced on Friday, sadly depriving us of our in-out and on-the-bubble chat where we would speculate who might be staying, who might be going, who we're not sure about because all the decisions have already been made. The club has exercised the 2024 MLS contract options on five players, mm-hmm. bringing the first-team roster to 19 for next year, as well as two players who are out on loan. So the options were picked up on goalkeeper Isaac Bomer, wing-back Ryan Raposo, as well as forward Simon Betcher and Levante Johnson. And the Whitecaps also exercised the 2024 and 2025 contract options for centre-back Tristan Blackman. But we'll get into all of these in a little bit. The club declined the options on goalkeeper Thomas Hassal, centre-back Matteo Capagna and midfielder Cameron Habibula. Hassal will be eligible for the MLS free agency, whereas Capagna and Habibula are eligible for the re-entry draft. Mm. The club is continuing discussions with centre-back Karifa Yao and midfielder Russell Tiber, both in their option years. Midfielder Sebastian Berhalter and forward Junior Hoylet are out of contract at the end of the year, while wing-back Richie Larea's loan from Nottingham Forest runs to the end of December. Discussions are ongoing with all three players. So, no huge surprises due to the contracts that we knew were going to be here for next year. And I think the ones that were picked up, you'd expect them to get picked up. But there is a couple of key talking points. We'll get to that in a sec. But first of all, let's just hear a little bit from Whitecaps Sporting Director and General Manager Axel Schuster explaining the decisions and what it means for the club and the squad moving forward. Here's Axel S. We've obviously had the the roster announcements come out this morning. Was this one of the easiest ones for you? Because there's such a good core. There's not a lot out of contract. There's not a lot moving on. Just a few of the young guys. Was it fairly easy decisions for you? Or did you have to ponder over a few? Yeah, maybe the decisions have been easy. I don't think that there was any decision that really surprised anyone here. Uh, but I have to say, we we really took the time. We we had the, all those meetings, as I told you on Tuesday. Uh, we were sitting down with every player. We blocked forty five minutes. We blocked an hour. Actually, we were assuming that every meeting can take up to forty five minutes. And I have to say, uh, um, it was completely exhausting um, because you want to go in those meetings with one hundred percent. You want to give every player the the same uh, attention, um, and you want to be there for him for for those forty five minutes. And so I would say the the a few of those meetings haven't been easy um, because um, um, although the decision probably is right and also I I have to give credit to to also our young guys who who understood really well why we took this decision actually they all agreed that uh, a fresh new start somewhere else uh, might be the best solution for them that the fresh new start can also um, I think kick off uh, their career. Um, after being here in this environment for a long time, but I, I we kept those meetings very open, and and uh, they have been 
quite emotional at some point if players spoke about the whole way they came through the system and how long they are here and what they have made through and the guys have been great i have also to say i'm very surprised by a few um by a few of their remarks how how realistic they see their situation also the areas they have to grow and then so i'm very hopeful that all of them will will do a great next step and we offered them all support. We also offered them to come back to train if they don't have a club at that point. So I, I have to say we we kept it um, on a way, way uh, high level in 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 I would say also way way, yeah, friendly. It's, it's friendly the right word, but um, there were no hard feelings. There were no negativity in the room, and then still, and that maybe even made it harder. <laughs> so, some. Because uh, because uh, then then you get into their mind and you get you understand where they are and also how they how they struggle uh, at somehow with 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 their career um, and so easy maybe that it was easy to to take the right decisions but the meetings for that reason haven't been easier. Yeah, I I imagine it is a horrible part of the job because you're you're letting players go especially guys that's that's come through the academy but to for this team to take the next step obviously there has to be some new additions come in and i i know the players that have been renewed might not be the ones that's here to to start the next season looking at some like without mentioning specific names obviously because i wouldn't put you in the spot for that but there's maybe some players in the squad that didn't feature regularly, but they are carrying a, a high price tag salary-wise. Do you feel you have to move some on to bring in the pieces that you want, or do you have that cap space now to to get the guys in that you need and still keep everyone that you currently have? Look, um, I would say... I would say it this way. I, I don't think... I don't think... I don't disagree with you on on maybe uh the specific point but i disagree with you that this is a limitation for for a better performance or has been a limitation for a better performance we have missed the third spot the place number three with by four points we could have easily easily we could have got this four points more i don't think that the season was in any at any point they would the season was nice to us uh we we have we have we have we have missed a lot of results where we really deserve the results and we have not got any result this season where we have not re- deserved the result other than the galaxy game in the league's cup but that wasn't the league so um said that said that um it is i think it's the normal thing we i think we should we should and i'm not saying you're not so don't get me wrong i say we 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 have to we have to stay on the ground and have to to look at the things in a very realistic and normal way and you always have a player that is maybe a little bit underperforming to what his what his uh what his uh yeah his his piece of the cake in the in the whole cap is uh but you have on another guys that are completely overperforming and 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 uh if you if you if you if you have such a guy and you he comes here with a lot of expectations and then he is not um, playing because a young guy that is in our team is performing so well. Yeah, then then I'm I'm almost I'm almost up for seeing more the positives of of the young guy that is doing so well than to see the negatives. Um, uh, the and and also also 
I think what I've learned and we all have learned is that adaptation into this league uh, takes time. Uh, we had some interesting conversations also about a few players that haven't played that much that said the season should start now for me. And now I have really, I really have, I think, find out how to play in this league. I'm better prepared to play in this league. And uh, maybe you've, you, maybe that what I bring up a name because maybe you wanted to bring him up. No, you didn't want it, but but maybe it was a player you had in mind. Um, we we had a really really good conversation with Matthias Laborda, and I would say, I would say his last game against LFC, playing against one of the best strikers or maybe the best striker in this league, and shutting him completely off because Buanga had really a hard time to play against him. Um, he was the guy that said, "Look, the season should start now because now I think I I I I figured a little bit out how to how to play in this league and how to defend a player like Wanga, and I there's there's nothing to disagree with. Um, so for us, it's more important to the, the conversation that we had with him and also now our our whole considerations is he playing enough next year <laughs> because of what he has shown at the end of the year that that then maybe his cap charge is right." Or not, and then we have to make this decision. And that's now don't don't quote me too much on Matthias Laborda because it's only one example. Because I think he did very very well, and I can tell you that all the stats of this game, he was one of the best defenders in the top three defenders of this round in the playoffs in that game. Um, so yeah, maybe also some things sometimes take a little bit more time. I I reminded <laughs> the one or the other, even some players that uh, Brian White three months in into the Whitecaps, um, was called out by fans and and some other people, not saying no one that is here on the call, obviously, but some others as a big mistake, a big mistake signing. And uh, and now I don't think that anyone would say that. So um, we have to find a very good balance between patience and and giving a player enough time um, to grow and, and, and maybe grow into the role. And... And also making decisions at the right time, um, and and then maybe move on, and that doesn't mean anything. That's not bad. Maybe not even bad for the player. Maybe the player is somewhere else a great fit and plays thirty four games, and then we say, "Wow, he didn't play that much much for us, but he's so doing so well somewhere else." And and then we have to say, "Yeah, but it was maybe not the right fit for our our style, our culture." So yeah, we are in the middle of all those decisions, but in general. Of course, uh, and now I've spoken so long, <laughs> and I'm answering a lot of questions already. In general, of course, we 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 think it, the team needs something. And um, if everyone allows me to speak uh, four or five more sentences, maybe I answer the one or the other question. What does this team need? I I would say three things, and I would like to say that because it's just in my mind, and it's great now to to say that. The one thing is the right mindset in the off season. Um, I I think two years ago we made the playoffs. And I think maybe because of the whole story of the season, uh, COVID, one and a half years or two years, uh, we had been in this season half of a year still in Salt Lake. Um, and then we came from last, after 17 games, we have been last in the league. So we made the playoffs. And I think everyone really took really too much off. And everyone, because of maybe because of all the challenges we had with COVID, but then on the other side also maybe because we 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 were too high after making the playoffs and then got eliminated in Kansas. I can tell you that everyone this year came to the meeting said, I don't know about the season. It was a good season, but not a great season. And I think that's the first thing we need in this offseason because the next season starts today and everyone has to go in with the right mindset into the offseason, also our players, and they have to come back best prepared because probably the season will start early for us and and we need everyone to to be best prepared and come back in with 
how he was now because we have we want to build from where we have been now and then i would say um the second thing that we obviously need is um um to to keep the majority of our players because we have been close to to be a top team so um we shouldn't lose too many of them because that also imbalanced the team maybe at some point um and and that's obviously the homework that we have to do now and um and then lastly yes uh we we definitely need uh, also a little bit of fresh blood because um, we don't want to have too many things too preset. So we need a, a little bit of fresh blood also to 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 challenge the guys that are here and have done very well, and 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 to create this competition and training again, and and to push those guys. And at at the end, if the same eleven guys play and and they play the same way we have played now and where we competed with the best on on high level, where we 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 actually played and performed in a way that you can be a top four team in the Western Conference. Then it's fine if somebody is doing better than those that are here. Yeah, also good. So um, whatever the outcome is, but um, I I don't want us to allow any step back by in the performance. And for that reason, we have to make the right decisions now. I want to ask about Tristan Blackman. Uh, you exercise the option for 2024 and 2025 for him. Do you then see him as a leader in this team enough for you to now, like you sort of said, easily extend both of those options? And how do you see him sort of growing with the club and in throughout his career? Yeah, look, first of all, I have to say that he executed the option himself because there were automatic triggers in that and he had every trigger this year. So, um, so he deserved, he deserved the, uh, um he deserves that uh there was no doubt if it would have been the other way we would have executed the option as well um i think um uh although it maybe was was a shock uh for him when we when we used the expansion draft pick to 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 steal him from lafc and bring him to vancouver um i think he he really he really um um has settled in very well he's uh he's a key player for me because um to, to have a successful group, you need a, a variation of different profiles in your group. Um, and and you need also a few guys that um, um, that are make themselves available. They are training always on a high level. They they compete always on a high level. But at the same time, they are absolutely fine of uh, yeah not being always in the floodlight. <laughs> so uh, the hard workers um, in a group um, that um that balance a group um you cannot only have leaders you cannot only have uh, young players you need also this this basis on that you can build everything and i would say he's definitely one of those um i think his his total, total profile is such a good mls profile um being uh, being such a fast and physical defender um i can tell you that obviously uh, no one is allowed to speak with him but uh um, a lot of clubs have reached out over the years to us and asked if he would be for any any offer be open to to move him uh and we 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 always have passed on that because we see him uh, being a, such an important piece in in our club uh, having a domestic player with all these qualities somebody who feels so well in Vancouver and uh, somebody who can play on so many different positions um is is key so as i said you you have to build your team you cannot build your team only of on on two or three 
maybe highlight players you you need a very very good basis and i would say he's he's at the top end of our basis so axel schuster there just chatting about the roster decisions that were made so we'll get into it now zach if we look at the five contract options that were exercised, I don't think there's anything shocking there. Bomer had clearly overtaken Hassau as, as the number two for me. Uh, yeah, I think that's significant. I also think the um, the Blackman, I know I texted you about this. The Blackman thing, so I texted you and I was like, what's up with Blackman being taken for two years at one time? Yeah. So that, that's you, the you most intriguing one. Well, yeah, because Axel was asked about that. So basically... And I might have picked him up wrong. I've listened to it back. And you can kind of take it two ways. And we didn't include it in our in our little chat there. So Blackman had built-in triggers on his contract that were hit performance triggers. So that if he hit them, it would extend his contract. But, ex- but extended if he wanted to or extended or automatically? It, it, feels like the, it felt like the... I got the impression that the player had wanted them extended, cool. but Axel said that the club would have extended it anyway because they're yeah. very happy with tri- what Tristan has brought. But also, I can't help but think, because Axel said there's been a lot of interest in Tristan Blackman from other clubs around the league. And I do feel this might be a kind of view to a possible future trade. It drives his trade value up because they're like, well, we've got him in contract for two years. If you want him, you're going to have to pay a little bit more for him. So a good bit of business. And he's a guy I do want to have around, but not necessarily always as your starter. I do think that is a position that we can improve upon. Yeah, I think that, that's valid. It, it's interesting to hear that. I, I, this is the first time I can recall a player having their contract extended for multiple years at mm. one in one moment when maybe there was others I'm just forgetting, but it's good for obviously good for the player. Uh, and, and it sounds like Axel's on board. And so that's good. And like you said, it gives them um, uh, a player that they're happy with, but also, yeah, like you said, it would increase his, his value uh, in terms of if someone did come in for him. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sense. The, the other players... Well, actually, we, we touched on Thomas Asal. Well, let's get back to, to Thomas. So, he's one of the three homegrown players that has moved on. And I think it's the best thing for him. Now, an interesting thing that Axel also said in his chat was when they had the end-of-season chats with the, the three homegrowns, mm-hmm. they came into the meetings also agreeing it was time for them to move on. They wanted fresh opportunities. The homegrowns themselves did. Yeah. They oh, felt it, it was time for them to have a new environment, to be playing regularly, and to continue their development. And that was great to hear. Yeah. Because it, I said to Axel, it, it's tough. It's the tough part of his job because mm-hmm. you, you know you're kind of almost breaking some guys' hearts, especially when they've come through the academy. It's like, well, you're going to have to find a new club now. That's just the nature of football. It's it's just how everything works. And it's worse. I mean, I've watched a number of shows in recent years where it's like in the UK, academy players that are told at 17, 18, yeah, you're not making it with Arsenal, with Chelsea, whoever. You're going to have to try and drop down to League Two or non-league and 
their hopes and dreams are shattered and they've maybe not given their education what they should and now they kind of kind of hung out to dry a little bit so i mean these guys are older and you have to feel though that the cpl beckons for all three of them although thomas asal has proved himself in mls could he be a guy and because he's a homegrown the domestic rules i think he qualifies they'd count as a domestic for a u.s team do you see him continuing his career in, in mls uh, I, I, my guess would be there's a, a small chance of that happening like i wouldn't say never but it feels like a small also like the injuries he's have um I think they would give clubs at least a moment of pause for concern, right? With head stuff and hand stuff and whatever, maybe the head stuff more so. Um, I could see an MLS club saying, "Hey, we want to make you our number two. I think if you're Thomas Asal, though, for the age he is and the the place he's at, I think you need to go somewhere, whether that's CPL or somewhere else in North America or well, somewhere. Yeah, else I mean, in there's Europe. USL as well, mm-hmm. which have different but- rules. He needs to be somewhere where he is going to be the primary keeper who's starting like ninety plus percent of the matches. Yeah, that's what that's what he needs. So he needs a club that's going to kind of uh, commit to that with him uh, and 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 choose to kind of ride or die with him over the coming year or ideally m- multiple years yeah. to allow him to develop because everyone's seen he has abilities, he has qualities that you know could continue to develop to be a very. Uh, a very good keeper and could play at a very respectable le- level, whether in North America again or abroad. Mm. So, well, uh, I mean, the abroad is the other option, of course, as well for him. Yeah. And like, he, he's a very good keeper. And I do feel his development was stunted. He had a couple of bad seasons, but in part, it's because you're not playing every week. I mean, yeah, you, I, you're a young keeper, you need to be playing. I know he, he got those starts when Max left, but. I, yeah, you need. To I wonder. Playing. I wonder if it would be hard for him to go to CBL because there's no way he'll make the money he made in MLS. Well, that's the thing as well, right? So it's like, do you want to go where? Yeah, you're likely to play 29 games for your club, or minimum of 29 games for your club, and but make like not even half what you made, like a third yeah. probably tops of what you made in MLS or whatever. But you could so, be staying in Canada. I mean, if the Saskatchewan CPL team, if everything had gone ahead and it was coming into yeah. the league next year, I mean that. That would have been made for him. Home, yeah, unfortunately, that's returning, not, but that's not. That's not where we're at. Yeah, at the moment. But yeah. if you look around the CPL, you've also got to say what CPL club would need a keeper like Thomas Asal that's going to come in and be the starter, because Pacific is the automatic choice. I would have thought earlier this year if it hadn't been for the injury, and mm. I do think they need a better keeper than the two that they've got. But Just outside of that. I, I like he's not going to cavalry. He's not he's not dislodging Carducci. He's not dislodging Irving. He's not doing. I mean, possibly he could have a battle in Valor with Yesley, but then Yesley's nominated for goalkeeper of the year. And as it, it, Alex would tell us, you know, has some really quality stats mm-hmm. to back up his that nomination. Yeah, obviously there are people who feel otherwise, but yeah, that would be an interesting potential spot for him. The the other two, Matteo Capagna, I do wonder, does he make the move out to Halifax to, to join, his, join brother, his brother, Christian? Yeah. I mean, they were very good together with WFC2 last year. I see him going, yeah, I can see him making a, a smooth transition to CPL. It's it's Cam that I'm a little bit concerned of because he's already yeah. been alone in the CPL. 
and, and didn't really do well. Struggled to make the the breakthrough at Pacific would when when everyone had high hopes that he would. So is is there a club in the CPL who's willing to give him another chance at that level? Um, I, I, mean, I I would hope so. I mean, I, I've seen some comments of folk going, "Oh, he just hasn't. He was meant to be the next big thing, and he hasn't developed." And it's like, oh, what has he done? He was terrible at Pacific. I, I, I'm taking this almost verbatim from a, a Discord chat I was reading. Yeah, yeah. He, he, like he's terrible. He was terrible at Pacific, and he he's done nothing since. The folks that are saying that clearly did not watch the first half of WFC two season, where mm-hmm. Cam was excellent and hit a number of bangers, and had kind of questioned why he wasn't maybe not getting a call up. But it's not just goals. It was the other attributes, like can he put in a defensive shift? Can he be less selfish on the ball? And those were what he was tasked as working with in WFC Mm -hmm. 2. And to be honest, I don't know that he overcame those challenges. And he's going to need to overcome those if he's going to make a go of it in the CPL. I mean, would you see him at Vancouver FC? Do you think he'd be a good fit there? Or would him and Afshin maybe not be... A good mix. Yeah, I guess there's potential for that. Uh, I mean, Vancouver needs to improve in, in so many ways, right? So I, I don't see Vancouver saying, no, that's not a player we don't want in terms of his abilities and potential. But I wonder, like, yeah, what Rob Friend's perspective will be on having, you know, had him in the past and knowing the behind the, the other, the off-field stuff, right? Is he a, is he a fit for what they're what we're trying to do mm. you know what i mean and, and, and you could how end that... up with the, the two habibula brothers there because obviously masood was taking part in some of the yeah. the trial because i yeah. would not be surprised to see cam at least involved in the mix in january but just oh, to, yeah. to kind of have training look at him Axel said for the three of them if they haven't found a club by january they've all been told they can come back and train with with a mls yes team. yeah which is great yeah I, I mean, that, that's this is a case, and we've spoken about it so many times over the years, and the Whitecaps have changed. They really are looking after the players, and they're looking for the best of them. And Axel also made note that they keep an eye on all these guys, and they've been watching the likes of Patrick Metcalf over in Norway oh, yeah, with Fredrikstad, yeah. and they're following their progress, and that's just something that wasn't happening before. So, I mean, that that is fantastic to see as well. Going back to a couple of the options that were picked up as well, like Simon Betcher, Levante Johnson, no-brainers for me. We're going to be having our usual end-of-season sit-down chats with Vanny and with Axel, our kind of thorough 20-30 minute chats that, that we'll have to bring you in our December shows. I do want to ask Vanny about why the two of them dropped off. Simon Betcher in particular started the season on fire and then was just getting limited minutes and wasn't getting used. And then Levante, when he first signed his deal, was Same looking thing. great. Yeah. And then he's been used so sparingly as well. It's just a little odd to me. Yeah, you wonder how much is it them in training not showing that they're worth uh, minutes uh, through obviously that route and or them, you know, young players who when they, they come in, they make a bit of a splash in the league and then they, are kind of figured out by teams or coaches and they know how to, mm. um, you know, uh, minimize their impact or whatever. Um, but 
Yeah, it was it was a little bit surprising with Betcher. I, I, I felt especially. I, I thought he was going to be on for like newcomer of the year or young player of the year. The way that he was scoring those goals and breaking records, and it was like, oh wow. Yeah. And I've still got high hopes for him. He's a he's a a great forward, and they they're certainly needing to add to, to yeah. the forward line as well, and not just rely so much on on Brian White. So yeah, I mean the other one, Ryan Raposo. He's cheap, he's versatile, he's the depth guy you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can rely on him to be a starter for the odd game, you can rely on him to come off the bench. He's worked so hard at putting in a defensive shift, and it's really hard not to root for the guy because he just lives and breathes football, and he loves being part of this club. I, I and, feel he's, he's a bit also, he, I feel he's like the new Russell Tybert, though. Well, I feel, yes. I feel, I feel he's a little bit polarizing, when you listen I've seen to some comments to people, about yeah. that, yeah. Some people think he, like you said, he, oh yeah, he's great and he, he's one of our own. He's Canadian, been here for a long time. But all that, all the all that good stuff is you can never question his work rate or his effort, you know, at, at all. But then you have other people who just, yeah, feel like he's his quality is not what they would hope for from someone who gets the amount of minutes that he does, kind of thing. I said that about him. I think. At some point last year, maybe even the year before, and, and that's then, not what I'm. And that's not what I'm referencing. No, no, no. <laughs> but but he seemed he turned it around, and he like yeah. he's shown his worth, especially in the Canadian Championship games where he plays out of his skin. And yeah, the which they need, which they needed some yep. quality Canadians to be on the field. <laughs> exactly. Well, talking to Russell Tybert, he, him, and Karifa Yao are two players that they're still in contract talks with. We'll delve into Rusty in a bit more detail. But my first question to you is surely neither of them are coming back and there has to be an upgrade. I, I'll be honest. I was a little surprised at the the language for Yao being, we're still in discussions with him. Yeah. It, it did, that didn't seem to make sense. And that's he's nothing against Karifa. I just no, don't no. think he's MLS quality. And it's a centre-back position that we have to improve on. Yeah. And we'll hear in next week's show and we're, we're looking at what we need to improve upon. Vanny says... Yeah, we have to stop conceding as many goals. And Karifa Yao, as good as he was in CPL, is not the guy that you're looking to then bring in to be the player that's going to help them to do that. Yeah. So he's not going to get a lot of playing time. And as much as it'll for him, it'll have been nice to like get the MLS money <laughs> for a year. I think you he, you have to be able to hopefully recognize that it's better for you to go play CPL or go play at a, at a different level a different league, a different opportunity where you're actually going to play to continue to grow, right? Um, There's a fine line or fine... (laughs) There's a fine balance, not a fine line. There's a fine balance to to a player between the mentality of, yes, I, I want to always be bettering myself. I want to always be on the field with, I want to provide for my family or for myself or whatever, right? Like... There's a tension there for every player, no matter how good or, or you are, or whatever, right? That always comes into play. I mean, we can we can talk about without without Alfonso Davies, Alfonso Davies, and what's you know the what's going on with him right now. You know, we always I think look at it from the sporting side and say, look, yeah. you, it's much better to be playing at a at a where you're maybe not going to make as much money, but you're going to be playing and can either. Um, uh, be happy with that playing and or improve yourself to maybe kick on even more. So, Well, he's still uh, just 23. Yeah, exactly. And oh, totally. I, I think that might be in part of it. That the Whitecaps are like, look, 
we could have you next year play mostly WFC two and see many, if your I, development comes I, on. I forgot this year. How much did he play this year for WFC two? Not tons. Yeah, that's that what the, I didn't that think. was the surprising thing. That's an awkward thing. But again, there they're trying to blood younger players, right? Yeah. So and I mean, he got some first-team minutes. He's he's come through Montreal. Then he was loaned Mm -hmm. to Cavalry. I'm sure Tommy would love him back, him and Dan Klomp in the back, just to to bolster that, give him the chance. I mean, maybe it could also be, we'll keep you on, but we'll loan you back to a CPL team like Cavalry. You'll get a chance to play in Champions Cup. You'll get to play at top level, and we'll monitor your progress there. That I would like to see. I'd be very happy uh, if they did that, to be totally honest with you. Russell Tybert, on the other hand, surely it's time for him to move on. But with his salary, which off the top of my head is four fifty, and I know yeah. you can't just factor salaries in, and we'll talk about that in a sec with a couple no, of but, other no, players. But, but no, but it's important. It's very important, especially when he's been on the bench and hasn't been coming on. He's been an unused sub for so much of this season. Where would he go? Because he's not going to command any money like that, and. The fact that they're still in contract talks with him, what goes through my head is, is this going to be another to St. Ricketts situation where he's on a playing salary just above, say, league minimum, but he's hired to be a front office person, club ambassador, working in the community, something like that. But do you see one him wanting to play that kind of role, role both on the field and off the field? And I two, do actually. Do you see that being a good fit for him, for his personality, and for like off it? Yeah, he does a lot of stuff in the community that I think a lot of folk don't see that he's done, and he he's won the community award for the last couple of seasons. So that aspect of it, I think he would really enjoy. He's spoken a lot about how Vancouver is his home now because he's been here since a young lad. So I don't mm. think he wants to go back east. And then, he, I mean, he might retire. I know he's still really young to do that and just more take a, a backseat front office role. But if you could offer him a plane contract as well, like Toss, so it's like, we're not going to use you. Or we'll have you playing in WFC2 to mentor the young guys coming through. It just it feels weird because like he it was really noticeable how I know he had a little injury or whatever near the end there but he wasn't getting on the field like yeah. it, it was that was that was significant right because you started the year where wasn't it was this still the year where you started with like armband gate like just you know him coming on the field and and gold having to walk over yeah. and, give armband and everyone's like what why are they doing this and yeah I I, I mean I have no I have no problem. Unlike Yao, I'm not surprised and don't have any real issue with them saying, hey, we're still talking to Rusty about what's next. Um, and he might he could still be here. I think that's there's a, a good level of respect that that he's more than earned. But I just I, I don't I don't know if that's I, but I said at the same time, I can't I can't I, I struggle to see. I think he could do very well at this. But I struggle to see him maybe wanting to go and play in USL or CPL or or somewhere. Yeah, see, else. I, that's that's the thing. I don't. I can't see him doing that either. I think he he is your epitome of the old fashioned one club man. Yeah, which I guess he played youth for TFC a little bit, but yeah, he was a yeah. only a white cap. Yeah. So that that is an interesting one. If they brought him back just as a player, it's not going to go down well with the fan base. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be hard to swallow, even if it is on a much lower amount, which obviously yeah. you think it would be. But um, that's the other thing is, well, I guess no matter what happens, it would be nice. Again, assuming people were respectful about it, mm. he didn't get a he got that three hundred game thing moment, right? Yeah, but, and they were very respectful at the game. He got applause. Yeah, but, like, but he but it was it, it, in in I think other situations I've seen at other clubs in other nations around the world. You would that would have been him saying, "Hey, I'm I'm leaving, or I'm yeah. retiring, or I'm done, or or this is my goodbye." You know, like yeah. Well, but his, his birthday's in December, and he'll be thirty-one. So the start of next season, yeah. he's thirty-one. He could hang his boots up if he was going to do that. I would imagine he's done it now. So I think they could, I think there's got to be a dual role somewhere as yeah. club ambassador. And you know what? He he deserves it for his loyalty to the club Did in he's... that regard. And I. With as I say, what he does in the community that often goes unnoticed, I think he'd be very good at it. Did he uh, win the beep test this year? I can't remember. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember if he was injured at the start of the season or if that was the year before. Everything just blurs into one now. But I mean, that's certainly a an interesting one to, to keep our eye on. I also asked Axel about moving players on that are under contract just now. So we've got these 19 players, but we're maybe not contributing what their salary dictates. And I, I didn't mention any names. And he said, because I said, I, I, I won't mention any names. And he goes, I'll mention one then, because you're, you're meaning Laborda. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was actually, yeah. <laughs> So he feels Matthias Laborda really started to come into his own as the season came to an end. And he's kind of mentioned that both him and Schopfe have said, now they understand MLS and they're ready for what MLS will bring them next year. I'm you, not sure you, I fully agree uh, with that. I was going to say, you know, there's people yelling at their phones as, yes. they, hear, as they hear that quote. Um yeah, I, I'm. I've been a little disappointed in Alessandro Shop uh, because I expected more from yeah. having watched him play in the Bundesliga. So yeah, I I'm I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't done more, given them more, produced more, been more of a more of a fighting had a more of a fighting spirit. Um, but yeah, it. it, it I, I I don't I have no I have no sense whatsoever that either of those guys are going anywhere. I think they're very happy with having them in the mix and the roles they've played and and maybe their roles will be changed based on bringing in some new players. But uh, I think you won't see them go anywhere if if they have a similar uh, set of performances in, in 2024. Then yeah, I think you'll see Axel be a little more um, open to you know moving them on or. You know, uh, what looking at possibilities for them that wouldn't yeah. see them playing, being paid so much for contributing, let's say, so little. Or he, he did say, paraphrasing a little bit, that you shouldn't take the salaries into account. It's like they basically they will contribute. And if you think about it, there is Champions Cup, which hopefully there'll be a deep run. There's the this MLS. There's the Canadian Championship. There's Leagues Cup depending what happens with the Canadian players, which is, this is one thing I want to, to speak to Vanny and Axel about as well. I was going to ask it this week when we had the chat, but I thought I'll save it for for our own chat with them. 
Mm-hmm. It's great bringing in these Canadian players. And we've got four, which we're going to talk about in parts three and four, going off to play for Canada against Jamaica. If they do that during Copa America and MLS isn't shutting down, you are just losing four starters. Yeah. So you need quality depth players like Laborda, like Schopf to, to be able to come in and fill gaps because Javain Brown could still be going as well because even if Jamaica lose to Canada, they've still got another way that they can qualify. So you've got to take all these things and factor it into to account as well. So if they can make it work salary-wise, I guess, why, why should I care? Why should I get worked up about it? Because it's not my money at the end of the day. Yeah, but people will get worked up about it because they feel like they're they're the team they care about is not being the not playing the role in terms of being the best stewards of the money they have. Mm. And the well, money that they've been given. We'll talk about who needs to come in and what money might need to get spent there in future episodes. The three players that they're also still talking to, Sebastian Berhalter. I hope he's back. I think he he showed enough this year to to show that he is a very good depth player to come in if Kubis is out, because Kubis, of course, could be away at Copa America as well, because everyone could be away at Copa America and we've not got a team. Are, so, are you going to Copa America? I very much hope to be going to Copa America, yes. Nice. Depends on if I'm going to do League One commentary next year or, or not. I'm still kind of... Yeah, that's for another day. We'll have that discussion. But, like, Bear Halter, I'd I'd bring him back. I think they'll be interested in, in him, though. So it could be who comes up with a, a good salary for him. Yeah, I, I'm, I think most people have come to a place where they really appreciate Sebastian Brohalter yeah. and what he can bring and the role he can play. Uh, I would say that if he doesn't doesn't come back, it is an opportunity to upgrade at that position. Oh, yeah. On the whole, but I think they're looking to do that anyways, whether or not he does come back. Yeah. The two... Two of the four Canadians, the two that aren't in contract, Junior Hoylet, Richie Larea. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd let Hoylet go. I know what he can do, and I know the Junior Hoylet that we saw in a Whitecaps jersey is not. I, I it's not a good version of the Junior Hoylet, yeah. and he hasn't lost it. He's just not fit. Give him the preseason to see if he can show it in there. But at the same time, he's going to want a contract. And then yeah. January is when the, the English transfer window is going to open back up if he wants to make a move over there. I, I think it would be a gamble for him to hang about here and he'll get more money over there. So I, I think we should move on from Hollywood. How much, I think we talked about this maybe once before, but how much do you think the, aside from fitness, as you mentioned, how much do you think the field turf it was an issue for a player I mean, like it's, him. It's hard to say. I had hoped to speak to Junior, but things just didn't work out. We didn't get that interview done. And that was something I was going to ask if it was a bit strange for him playing on that. But I think his future is going to be back over in in, in the UK. Richie Larea is the big one. And oh, yeah. I, I hope he's back. I hope they can get it for a, a decent non-DP salary. He's very open, but he, I mean, he's... We, we had our chat with him. Um, Alex had a chat with him as well for One Soccer, where he's like, it's not just my decision. It's how settled my family feel here as well. And you've always got to take that into account. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Last two things we'll talk about in regards for this. The two players that's out on loan. So midfielder, Caio Alejandri, remains on loan to Brazilian Serie A side, Fortaleza. So... 
Well, I've got I'm a bit of an update on that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, hasn't he triggered or haven't they indicated? So, or, reports or in Brazil were that he had, that there was a, a transfer option that if he met certain thresholds, the Brazilian club had to sign him. So Brazilian media reported that they've been hit, so they're signing him. Uh, Axel said, basically, yes, it's going to be a transfer, but still until the end of December because their season's on and that's when the loan is. He's officially on loan. Yeah. But basically from January, it will be a transfer. So Kyle is not coming back. And will we hear the sum of that transfer? Oh, that I don't know. We can ask Axel that. Like, it would just be interesting to see how, it, how it compared, compared to what they paid for him. Did they make a little money? Did they lose a little bit of money? Like, yeah. How 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 was his value affected? I mean, obviously, we can look at transfer marks, but... Well, yeah, they'll just make it up in that, as they do with so many of the other figures, I'm pretty sure. But the other one is Diber Caicedo, who's on loan to Colombian side Categoria. No, sorry, Categoria is the Colombian league. He's on, on loan to Colombian side Junior FC. Uh, I don't think that's got anything to do with Hoylet, unless he's got his own team. And it's, I was gonna, I was it's a bit say, egotistical they, naming it after yourself. Are they the feeder team for Senior FC? <laughs> Very good. Um, so he's on loan till the end of July anyway, and he's doing well there, and it's too early to say, but I don't think we'll see Deber coming back either. So basically, there's 19 first-team players under contract for 2024, three goalkeepers, Max Anker being the other one, and they're very high on Max as mm. well, which is probably another reason that Thomas Sal yeah. went. Uh, or the good Max, I believe we can refer to him now. Wait, what? Max Anker of the two oh, goalkeepers, yeah, he's, he's the the good Max. We've got so seven. Good, so, so there's, there, just to clarify, so there's the good Max and there's the great Max. The bad Max. Max Crepeau, basically the beta Max. He he, you thought he was going to be the next big thing, but nah, he, he we're over him now. There's seven defenders on the books, six midfielders, and just the three forwards: Betcher, Johnson, and White. So, over the coming episodes, we'll look back at the Whitecaps season that was, the main takeaways from it, and what needs to happen next. We'll hear from Vanny, we'll hear from Axel, we'll hear from Ryan Gold, we'll hear from Brian White as well on all those things. That's for a future show, probably next week's one, to be honest. But we are going to continue our Whitecaps chat in the next part as we look at the continuing fallout from the Timothy Ford saga. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFD and Soccer Show. 
on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, I've had this song in my head for the whole week. Just had to play it on the show. It's from the Pixies' second album, Doolittle, from 1989. The song is Mr. Greaves. Can't think why I've had this in my head. Although, I've put the lyrics here for Zach to have a read off, which I won't read the lyrics out. But if you read through the lyrics, you'll know exactly why I've had that in my head. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. And I I love, I will read the penultimate line, pray for a man in the middle. It's just like made for referees. Yeah, I don't think that's the reason why you chose that song. (laughs) No, it's it's possibly not. But in this part, and then we're going to draw a line under it for until the the punishment comes down. The the Tim Ford saga has dragged on this week with Vanny's off-the-record comments that went public. And I know the Whitecaps and Vanny and Axel and especially the communication staff, would really like to draw a line under it and move on. Some, and as I said, some, we will. Some people are not letting them. Yes. And uh, I, I just... There's a couple of things I want to, to talk about that, that's happened this week, and we're going to play some, some audio as well from Vanny and Axel just talking about the situation and other things as well. And then we will move on from it until MLS hand out their punishment. Um... I've spent all week, Zach, trying to work out what Tim Ford's middle name was. And I haven't been able to find it. Maybe he doesn't have one. I was hoping it was going to be Robert and all his friends call him Bob. Oh, my. Mike. Oh, Mike. I didn't understand that. When I, 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 I did my little Vanny-esque mime. Oh, no. Let's see if somebody leaks this video to the... To the Twitter sphere. There's no video. Well, there, I guess. Well, there is. I'm staring yeah. at you right now. <laughs> no, but I mean, we don't really release this as a video, and you're the only one who has it. No, no interestingly, though, Global did play the video on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I did hear that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Was that helpful? I, I think it was, to be honest, because it put context to it. So I, I was all for them doing that. I think it was fair. We've got the audio, we've had it since last week. I'm not playing it on the show yeah. I, I mean, do it, appreciate it might do, make our quote of the year winner though I do <laughs> appreciate you letting me listen to it though that was yes helpful, helpful oh, it, it was for context more than anything yeah, yeah. but I mean the, the whole Ferrari around I mean not just Vanny's off the record comments but his on the record comments his on pitch and off pitch antics have brought a, a lot of chatter um, there was the players' reaction as well. There was the stuff that happened in the stands, which we all talked about last week. So Vanny and Axel spoke about it on Tuesday to kick off the end-of-season presser. So before we get into the fallout and chat a little bit about that, here's what they had to say, just not about Vanny's comments and reactions, but all oh, the, the stuff combined. Here's the gaffers. <laughs> Uh, so as you guys know, Sunday was a very pretty heated uh, night. So yeah, there was my sending off, and then <coughs> uh, uh, the press conference with uh, some reaction on, on some tweets on the on the press conference. And uh, yeah, uh, just wanna uh, kind of say clarify, state that the, you know the the bad choice of word that I made 
was to play some self-irony on myself and on the behavior that I had in the in the in the in the in on the on the pitch when I got when I got sent off when I got my and uh, that that uh, attempt that I had in order to play ironically and to remark to myself that I don't have to do these kind of things uh, brought me to made uh, uh, bad choices in the world that I that I chose to to play that uh, to 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 say that thing and uh, so the, for that reason I'm I'm sorry I I I should have done a better judgment to choose the right word and uh, but there was there was no there was no malicious intent and intent or violent intent in my in my word there was just uh, uh, a, a thing that I do every time that is make fun of me when I'm not doing things properly and uh, uh, that's the reason why I want to say again that uh, you know I could have done much better and uh, and uh, I did a mistake and um, I'm sorry for that yes and from my side um, I want to ask for your understanding that this is an ongoing review um, that the club has uh, provided the league yesterday additional content uh, about what really happened, how it happened, in, in what context, and what was really said. So um, we will wait for that. Um, I also want to say that, um, um, because I got asked that piece this morning, for me it's very important to say, um, look, I have been in the stands and I saw what was happening all there, and uh, there will have been a lot of things that I haven't liked, um, a lot of things that we really have to review also internally, not only the league, where we have to speak with everyone about how we can do better. There are things there that is part of the whole review of the season. There are things that we can do better, but the very important thing for me is we have a young team of players and some of them have not acted really great in the last minutes of the game. And we have a very young team of staff and also they have not all acted in the right way. And um, so we allow mistakes. We allow mistakes to happen. And the most important thing for me is that we learn from these mistakes, that we find ways to, to make better and to do better the next time, and that we also find a good way to deal with that and uh, how to react to that. And with what Renny has just said and also how we cooperate with the league and... Um, um, I can tell you that Veni also has reached out to the pros. Um, I think this is the right way to, to deal with that, to handle, with, handle such a situation. And um, I don't think it's right at this point. And don't get me wrong, we, we are open to speak about all of the details at a later point. But I don't think it's the right thing at this point to speak, speak about every detail. Because let's... Let, let first let the league do their job and also our job we are speaking with all players this week we have all the individual meetings and let us speak with everyone about it and address it in the right way and then I'm very happy there are still a lot of months in this year and you have still to fill a lot of content later this year let's speak about all the details and, and then I'm super happy to, to speak very openly about uh, individual things and also how I have addressed things and how we will continue in future that we, that doesn't happen again. Two-part question. Um, the one thing I think 
we in the media uh, respect about you, your supporters respect about you, is you wear your heart on your sleeve. Your heart was beating very, very heavily on Sunday with the way that that match played out. I hope you don't change who you are because that's, that's what we respect, but how much do you have to maybe, are you going to rein it in a little bit? And, and when you look back at it, what bothered you about, about, about your I, um, as, as Axel said, but as we said every time, that's every, every moment is a learning moment. You need to learn and you need to be better in the future and to be, and it's not only about uh, the uh, quote or but even the fact that <coughs> You're right, I was uh, very angry in the game when it happened uh, and uh, even if I thought that we were basically uh, having an injustice, I didn't my team any favor to get sent off. So, and because uh, even though the game was almost over, it was like one minute, but uh, uh, that will carry automatically a suspension next year and everything. So, you know, we need to... Uh, work always on ourselves to uh, um, again being emotional and being in the moment it doesn't doesn't mean losing your head unfortunately I'm very proud by the fact that I played 100 games like 99 games as a head coach of the Y Cups and for the first 98 I never got a red card so <laughs> that's uh, that's a good statistic I would say but uh, I hope that uh, to beat this record to, to, to go to 200 without a red cat so from, from now on. Second part of the question, and um, I think there's two issues at play here. One was, and, and that's what we're curious, how the suspension is going to play out, the outburst on the field, and then the comments in the press conference. I'm a little bit confused because, um, and I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but I, I know you sometimes you'll say stuff to us before a camera's rolling or before we start an interview, was that meant for public consumption, what you said, or was that just you being you in a different setting? I would say that it's always me being me, even if I'm under the camera, I'm in front of the camera. So I cannot, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know even use the word, I don't know which word you use, blame someone to, to just, uh, um, uh, um, I would say, take the words of someone and put it, and put it back to, it's, of course, uh, uh, I think the more context uh, you have, the better it is. And the platform that allows you only 240 characters, or I don't know, it's not the best platform to give you context. And that's but that's uh, that's an opinion. Like 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 uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's mm, that's it's 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 not what at stake here. I think I I don't want to hide behind the finger and say no. It was before the press conference or after the press conference. When someone, when it's like our player on the field. If someone make a mistake, you need to own it and try to do better the next time. One thing to Axel, just you talked about internal stuff. Is one of the things you're going to look at where maybe opposition players or the referee leave the field? Because I think it would have made sense on Sunday for the referees to leave at the middle of the pitch as opposed to going past all the rabid fans. Is that <laughs> one of the things that you're looking for? <laughs> Yes, if I say we, we want to review the whole thing and we want to look at all... As I said, I have seen a lot of things that I didn't like. I'm ha very happy to speak about every detail after we have addressed it the right way and we maybe also can present the solutions for that. And uh, yes, um, as much as I like the support of our supporters and, and I'm, it's absolutely okay during a game to, to also 
like putting pressure on 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 opponent and referees to to help us um, we have to stay within certain behavioral rules and also after the kickoff that wasn't a great picture for the club how the referee uh, had to leave the pitch and uh, we will also think about how to do better there uh, to avoid that it even comes to that So the gaffers there, Vanny Sartini, Axel Schuster, chatting about the whole Ferrari around Tim Ford, Vanny's antics on the pitch, Vanny's antics off the pitch, and the press conference, his comments, the players, the fans, everything like that. And you you watched the press conference, Zach, and we messaged a little bit during it. You were you were on the press conference yeah. as well. It was good times. Um Vanny was apologetic. Primarily for his choice of words, saying that there was no violent intent. It was self-irony on himself after his sending off and that it was his bad choice of words. He likes to make fun of himself when he's not doing things properly. Axel says the White Cats are a club that allows mistakes and growth from it. I thought it was a good apology. Many thought it was a good apology. Others did not. Uh, here's the thing. I think it was a a fine apology like it was okay uh and so yeah i look forward to the end of this like some kind of resolution with yeah. the, the league speaking but if you wanna if you wanna there's a few things i guess i would say one is it felt like i i believe axel and i think axel's words were very important about yeah we uh we know mistakes are going to happen but we're a, a group that learns from them and I say that without bringing up the past stuff because yeah. you people could just bring up the past stuff and say, well, look, you, you made some mistakes and you should have learned some bigger things and maybe you haven't. And so I haven't forgiven you and blah, blah, No, I, I believe Axel when, when he said that. I believe that I believe in Vanny. I just felt with Vanny like there was no no remorse for what he said or or what no no remorse for what he said, but more so for the way it can be perceived. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, because I think, cause I think I, he. I, well, he's like me. He doesn't understand how it was perceived the way it was perceived. Like, so I, I get it was good that he said, you know, I had no violence intent. That was helpful. It would have been, I think, a little bit more helpful if he said, "Look, uh, I, 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 I meant no, no violent harm to come to the referee, and I realized that for some people that has mm. created a huge issue. Like, I understand how this." might make referees feel and or people who want to be referees or young referees or i understand that uh either from what i've experienced or what people have told me that referees face abuse all around you know the lower mainland at pitch at pitches all the time and i had no way meant to make things worse for them i think he needed to say something like that and again what he said was is fine i don't think like oh, he he failed to whatever i just think it I think he missed an opportunity to address the actual issue that people were frustrated about. You know what I mean? Like he 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 sort of apologized for choosing words that 
were taken in a, in a negative way, but he didn't really address the issue that they brought light to. Is what yeah. I guess what I'm saying. And, and also, I know you sent me, you were in the room, so you sent me that one picture too. You know, he sort of just he felt like he was, you know, getting a slap on the wrist, and he was like, "I got to sit through this. I got to." He was manspreading as well. Which... Yeah, which was awkward. But it also, I also didn't honestly, I didn't like how it was because at first I didn't quite get you know from the, the press release and whatever. I didn't quite get that. I thought, oh, they're just coming. We're going to talk about this. I didn't get they were like packaging it with, hey, we're going to talk about the season, even though they were like, hey, we can't talk about much, most of the season. We're just going to add this in to make this not just about the one thing. I didn't really, I didn't really love that. I understand why they did it. I don't, I don't think it was a horrible decision. I just didn't think it was maybe the best decision. Well, originally the the end of season, I don't think was planned for this past week. I think they were going to give the players a week off, we got, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, look, just get it done and dusted we can address this at the same time I, I can't remember who it was on Twitter that I was having this discussion with but he made a very good point of because the apologies come at a press conference it feels scripted and that mm -hmm. Venny should maybe have issued something on his own Instagram no. or so it comes across as his own volition but at the same time I, I or that he should still do that but I don't think he can now because no matter what he does folks are going to think it's been scripted no, but that's I I I said the opposite to you, didn't I? In our mm -hmm. in our text messaging yeah. because he didn't read from a script and I thought maybe he should have because he was very just Vanny like, "Oh, hey, like, you know, uh and he was like it was very uh conversational like you like like the incident itself. He was just talking to the people in the room and the people watching on Zoom, you know, kind of thing. Cuz that's Vanny. That's just his personality. Totally, totally. I think it might have been better to have read something from a script. So I, I think whoever made that comment either didn't watch or didn't listen or didn't see the context because he was very much not reading from anything. Hmm. He was just I think it's himself. just because it was a, a press conference. It's like, well, the Whitecaps have made him come and apologize that some folk took for that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, that, that's a fair, I think a, a, on some level, a fair criticism. Yeah. But th there's no, I, I, like, no matter what happened, folk would have, uh, you would have had some people well. yes yeah. yes yeah i mean what what you like referees they they're getting abuse everywhere at the moment they're struggling to to find referees some of the abuse of referees uh at vmsl games has been terrible yeah and, and, I've, and I've, I've tried to stop shouting at them but yeah. <laughs> I, I i wish he again i wish he, that i would i wish he would have addressed that yeah because i think he could have uh, i think you would have much less people dis frustrated or still angry or still want blood or whatever if yeah. he had said look i realize this is a refereeing is a difficult job and a and a, there's serious issues around how people treat referees from the grassroots to the professional level and i did not mean to add to that i meant no malice no ill intent no no violence at all i was making a joke about myself and, and the rest of the stuff he said was fine from there i just think he missed there was an opportunity he missed to kind of address the bigger the, the bigger subject which I think for some people was the bigger thing, not that, yeah, whatever. And you know you've what always got to remember as well, when you are criticizing referees, it's a difficult job. They're not allowed to bring their guide dogs on the pitch, for starters. So, I mean, <laughs> getting around, getting out of the way, I think if Tim Ford had his guide dog on, he maybe the guide dog would have been like, no, there's a player there, don't bowl him over and push him over with both hands, that kind of stuff. Oh, Michael. But, but do, do you know... That's more appropriate referee humor, no? Yeah, well, I'll, if if you want, 
I'm not doing this, but I haven't told you I was thinking about doing this. Let's, let's just get your gauge. I was going to do a flash five of oh. other reasons why Tim Ford could have been found floating in False Creek that wasn't to do with Vanny. Oh, no. Such yeah, as good. he was it's at Grand Island, no, yeah, eating his chips, a seagull tries to take it, he's fighting it off, loses his balance, falls in, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's good. That's, that's a good thing you yeah, do. Yeah, good job I didn't do that. I was also going to have a he's an angry bastard section about the fallout. Although, when we have Vanny now and we play the gaffer, maybe I should just play, he's an angry bastard and he likes it, as his introductory song. Because I think he he does need to rein it in a little bit. And I I would say, if I was a, a manager, I would be getting suspended. I, I would lose my shit on the sideline. I would be doing that. I... Vanny said, "We all need to work on ourselves," and I think he does. Which, which was, which that was great. Yeah. That was great. I think he does need to to rein it in and try and rein his anger in. But he's a passionate Italian guy, and it just it comes out. The full outrage, though, from people that are basing everything off the one tweet and still haven't heard the context or haven't heard it at all or anything. Were, uh, you, were uh, you having dialogue on Twitter with some people that like? Just a little bit. There was there was one lady in particular that just triggered me because Har had done a, a thing on CBC and Har was excellent with what she said, but I didn't realise that it was part of a one-hour thing where they had Har talking sensibly about it and then the other 50 minutes was just like burying Vanny and talking about abuse and basically, oh, this is what's wrong in sport and behaviour that you see in sport wouldn't be accepted in the greater world and in part i i do feel certain things that happen in sporting events if it happened in like canadian superstore or something the police would be called the, yeah folk are just getting outraged it is calming down now so that is good there is an ongoing review axel said there's a a lot of things that happened on and off the pitch that he didn't like and i asked him about maybe referees should move off in the middle of the pitch as we talked about last week so they're going to review everything they're going to do an internal review as well the stuff getting thrown from the stands obviously wasn't good um nothing yet has been said by pro about it tim ford wasn't part of any of the three mls matches this past weekend it might be just because there was only three matches so we'll have to wait till the next round of games really to see if he's going to be involved in those. Or is that because he's getting ready to receive some awards? He, he's up for a couple of awards. Um, I think, I don't want any spoilers here, but I think he has overtaken Josh Heard as AFTN's Villain of the Year. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. That takes a lot. Yeah. Because Josh Heard ruined your life. Yeah. Th there's also, I hear he's also up for the Bell End Door. <laughs> Um, oh, Michael. There's a few folk up for that. Oh, my. Um, Maybe that's what we'll call our villain of the year instead, the bell end door. I quite like that now. Yeah, that, that could get you some miles or, mm. or some clicks. Oh, my. Okay, the longer this goes on, like, okay, sorry, my question for you is, do you think that they are the length, the, the more this goes on, the more it means his, his ban, his... You know, because he's got a red card, he's got all these other things around it, aside from the comments, do you think it, it means his suspension is going to be longer? 
Or do you think it's they're just like, hey, we're in the middle of the playoffs. This guy's out. We can deal with it later. I would hope it's the latter. I think it could be the former. I mean, initially after it happened, the next day, the Professional Soccer Referees Association, that I'd never heard of before, issued a tweet saying, Vancouver head coach Vanny Sartini's post-game comments last night are disgusting and take their rhetoric against officials at all levels to dangerous levels. His comments go against every value in sports. It's our expectation MLS undertakes a rigorous disciplinary review here. Now... Although I've never heard of them, and they are a smaller one of the associations, there is a danger that Pro could come out and say, we feel you've been really lenient on him. We're not happy with this. If you don't do something about it, we'll take, we'll take industrial action unless you properly protect us. Yeah. That could be a far stretch, but I don't know. There's been a lot of chat about what punishment Vanny will get. He knows there's, there's stuff coming. He knows it's going to be accumulative. I personally feel he's going to get four to six matches. There is a Canada soccer disciplinary code that if a player or a manager does a lot of the things that Vanny basically did, it's a six-game ban. Now, obviously, mm. MLS don't go under that code, but that's a six-game ban. The other thing I've been wondering is... Well, could we see a punishment where it's not that he's just not in the dugout for yeah. these games? Is he suspended from all team activity yeah. for maybe two months, three months, something like that? Yeah, which would be more difficult for the Whitecaps, right? Well, yeah, because um, also would it be all team activity for MLS, but he could still then be around the team for Champions Cup? Yeah. That, yeah, that's tricky, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't like some leagues I know do this. I know MLS has done certain things. I think in England, maybe they've done this. To me, when you get a, as a player, when you get suspended, it's it's for that competition. Mm-hmm. I've seen before in England, it's like, oh, he got he got a red card, but now he can't play in the cup. It's like in the league, he got a, the card, and then he can't. I can't remember where I've seen this, but I've seen this before. Um, but when there's something like this that's like bigger than what happened on the field because it's not just his red card it's what he did after that and then the uh, the comment i could see them i could see them doing something bigger but yeah i i wonder how much his what he said this last week will impact what they said mm. or, or sorry impact what they do well he's he reached out to pro and at the time of the conference on tuesday they hadn't got back to him which i think is understandable yeah, uh, I asked him, have you talked to Tim Ford? He's like, well, I've yeah. reached out to his organization first and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's going to be fines and punishments coming down to the players and the club as well for mass confrontation. The, the Sun newspaper in the UK, and never a good bastion and don't read the Sun, all that kind of stuff, their headline for the mass confrontation was about how the players had manhandled the referee more oh, than yeah. Vanny's stuff. And they said, shocking pictures as players manhandle the referee. Because Sam, I think, does put his hands on Ford and chases him as well at the final whistle. So well, he, think, might, he might be in for something. I think he was just stretching his legs. Yeah. But um, No, okay, so question, okay, another question for you. Uh, and then we talked about this maybe off, yeah, off air last time. But like, so 
there are there are boundaries right there, like mm -hmm. we talked about what are the boundaries of what you can say or not say you know you pay your money but there's all these stipulations about fan code of conduct and whatever so there are things like i know you and i've talked about things we've said in stadiums over the years to refer referees right mm -hmm. like you talked about questioning their parentage i've like you've alluded to earlier i've talked about you know questioning their eyesight um, but there is one, there is one chant that I know both of us have participated in and, and I have in the CPL of this last year that is kind of, I guess maybe in this, not in the same realm, but is touched on is this, is the, is the Bob Marley chant, right? Is the, I shot the sheriff, Yes. but I should have shot the referee. Yeah. So I guess my question for you, and you can think about it, or we can talk about another time, but my, actually my question for our listeners is, is that, does that cross the line? Because I've sung that lots, and yeah. I, I've never felt it cross the line before. Because again, the tone of it is is in jest. It's not no no one's no one's going to shoot the referee after the game. But in light of this, I've been thinking: Is that something I don't want to sing anymore? Because that's a it's, it's a very good point, especially in the this day and age where there's like every day in America there's a mass shooting. Yeah, yeah, and just. Yeah, I, I, I mean, after we had that chat last week, I, I genuinely did think about that. Yeah, and yeah, you, you've got the fun ones. I'm blind. I'm deaf. I want to be a ref. And yeah, that's a good one. The bastard in the black. Oh, I mean, they've all existed for ages. But yeah, the, the I shot the sheriff one. I think it probably does cross the line. And that's even me saying that. Which is that's I don't think I've ever heard you say I've, mm. that crosses the line. No, but no. Seriously, if you're listening to this, let us know on Twitter or let yeah. us, you know, send us a message or whatever. Because it's something I've. There's things I don't sing in the stadium because I'm not comfortable singing them, and yeah. it doesn't matter what stadium I'm in. Uh, I haven't. There's certain things I just won't join in. Cause, well, you wouldn't let Vicente Arce shag your wife, sir. That's true. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Mm. So, um, but um, but that song I've always felt comfortable singing because it, yeah, I, again because of context and tone and and whatever. But I also am open-minded enough to say, um, maybe that's something I shouldn't be participating in, and or shouldn't be leading people <laughs> to, to join in, join in, as the case has been in the past as well. So, anyways, let, yeah, let, let us yeah, know your thoughts. That would be interesting. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you about a chant after we do this part as well. The it like just on on the a part of the show or after? Oh show? no. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that it's had after effects now because of something that might happen. It goes back now, to this Now days. you're going to get lots of messages, Michael, saying, I want to know what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, I will not be telling them. Yeah. But it, it was different times. It was back in Scotland. <laughs> Wait, did it involve any of your ch ch childhood like TV people? No, no, no. It just oh, okay, involved good. an opposition player. Oh, okay. Who folk are now pushing. He could be the, the new East Fife manager. And it's like, do you oh, not you remember her, what we used to chant about him? <laughs> you told me about this before. I can't remember he's, the exact He's going to but... definitely want to, to come back to, to us now. You did all you could to endear yourself to him. Yes. But anyway, it's a shame, basically, that this is all overshadowed what was a good Whitecaps yeah. season and the end of it and how everything came about. Next week... We'll hear some thoughts and have more discussions about the season that was. We'll look forward. We'll hear a little bit from a, a, a number of people uh, uh, as we talked about it as well. For the next two parts of this show, though, we are going to hear from two of the Whitecaps Canadians, Sam Adekugbe and Ali Ahmed. 
as they turn their attention to go to represent their country in a very important doubleheader against Jamaica of their own accord hmm. in Nations League action. And we'll be turning our attention to the international stage after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. children off the smack and into something friendlier, into something healthier, like spending 50 minutes with a prostitute, only 50 minutes in the institute of prostitute. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's one of our two Artists of the Month here at AFTN for the month of November from Glasgow, Scotland, the legendary Yummy Fur, with a song taken from their 1997 second album, Kinky Cinema. It's the 15th track of 60 on the album, and it's uh, it's not an official studio album. It's basically covering the first five years of the band, featuring a lot of songs that wasn't on their debut album from the, the previous year. That was British Children on Smack. And uh, a lot of the songs on Kinky Cinema featured on their debut 10-track, 7-inch single, music by Walt Disney, but played by Yuri Gagarin, thus a political record. And... Their album Kinky Cinema, 60 tracks, and it comes in at a running time of just under an hour. What more could you want for people that's got a short attention span, I guess? But that's the yummy fur. We've got more to come from them this month. And in the next part, we'll have a song from our second Artist of the Month for AFTN for November. But for now, we're going to get back to the football chat and we're going to turn our attention now to the international stage because it's a huge couple of games coming up for the Canadian men's national team. They're taking on Jamaica, of their own accord, in a two-legged Nations League quarter-final matchup. The first game goes in Jamaica this coming Friday, with a return in Toronto days later next Tuesday. Interim head coach Mauro Biello announced his 23-man squad for the two matches this past week. Four Vancouver Whitecaps in the current Canadian squad. Ali Ahmed, Sam Arikugbe, Junior Hoylet and Richie Larea. Of course, the latter two may not be Whitecaps come 2024, but as of now, they are Whitecaps. 
And the Caps are the only club to have multiple players in that Canadian squad. All the other teams that are represented just have one player from their teams making up the Canada lineup. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the makeup of this squad. Some big name players coming back into it. Not a lot of fresh new faces. Kind of understandable, really, for a, a big game that's coming up with this with so much on the line. For anyone that isn't aware, if Canada get through this quarterfinal matchup, they will book a berth at next year's Copa America that's getting played in the US. And that is a fantastic opportunity for the players, for the squad, for the team to get some real competitive games and good build-up ahead of the 2026 World Cup. There was also some disappointment from some quarters that a lot of the old guard were back. The brotherhood was still together. Not a lot of changes. We'll get into that after we hear from head coach Mauro Biello just answering a couple of questions. One from Neil Davison, one from Zach. Just about the makeup of this 23 man squad for these two games. Here's Mero Biello. Given the importance of the game, uh, this series coming up, one assumes you, you went for the best quality you have available. This wasn't the time to, to test out new faces. Uh, did you get everybody you wanted for this roster? And uh, uh, where do you place the importance of this series in the scheme of things? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'll start with the importance of this uh, this series. Obviously, um, there's great benefits uh, to, to doing well in this window. And for us, there's uh, the finals of Nations League and the Copa America qualification. So it's a, it's a very big window. And... Uh, yes, I was able to uh, select the players uh, that I wanted. I went with a, a, a group that's been in these moments before, uh, a group of players that have a strong brotherhood, that have gone through a lot and have been able to react in, in, in uh, you know, pressure moments. So uh, for me, that was what that was very important in the in the selection. And obviously there's there's uh, some players joining and rejoining uh um, Stacchio and Buchanan uh, coming back into the group, two players that we missed the last time around, uh, which would be a, a big help also. By my count, there's five players who have been recalled into this national team, including Mark Anthony Kay, whose previous appearance was eight months ago. Uh, he's sort of missed out the last couple of uh, windows. Just wanted to get your sort of take on Mark and what you've seen from him the last little while in, in terms of him, what led to him sort of getting him back in your thoughts and earning that recall. Yeah, I think, you know, Mark uh, obviously has had that experience with the national team. He's gone to a World Cup. He's been through the qualifying, uh, you know, and I think there was a, a resurgence uh, when he left Toronto and, and you know, speaking to some of the, the, the staff there in New England, uh, they were really happy with the way he's been performing and watched certain, you know, uh, all, all his games and, and what he's brought. And, and I think, um, you know, it was very positive. And, and I think uh, Mark uh, has that experience. When I look back at the game in, in Jamaica, he was part of that, uh, you know, so he knows the conditions there. He knows what it takes uh, to perform there. And, uh, you know, his, his performance at New England, he's still playing, he's still training. They're, they're in this, they're in the, 
the playoffs at the moment. So he's still in rhythm. So I think when I add up all these things with along with his experience and what he could bring uh, to the group, uh, I thought it was important to bring him back in for this uh, for this game. You're, you've kept with the brotherhood. You brought them back together. How do you balance that with also the 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 long term? Like obviously you're trying to qualify for Copa, but you're also building towards 2026. And I know there's a lot of unknowns and all that. But how do you balance that tension? Um, yeah, so there is there is a balancing uh, a balancing situation here going on, and and a transition situation, and and I think transitions are done gradually, and you can't just cut a player and say, oh, okay, this guy is old and this guy's young, and now just make the change. You know, in this world, you have to. Uh, gradually do that where the young player, uh, you know, in, you increase those opportunities and decrease some of the opportunities of the older player. And but in that in that space, the, the young player needs to prove and show that he is he is better and ready to take on the, that role of, of that next player. So I think it, it's a process that, um, you know, there's there's players um, that uh, we've seen at the Gold Cup. There's players that we've seen in Japan. Uh, there's players that are coming in now. Um, and, and they're all part of, uh, you know, that 2026 cycle. And and there's players that you see now that you may not see. And you may not see, uh, it, it, you know, down the road in 2026. So, but I, I think it's important that uh, as a coach, uh, you need to to understand that process. There's There's certain players that have, uh, given a lot to this country uh, that have come in every single camp that have done the utmost to help this uh, this team uh, qualify and to be where they're at today. So um, for me, it's important, yeah, to 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 balance things out. But at the same time, I have my my eye on qualifying here, which is the most important thing. And, you know, we talked about that brotherhood. Yeah, that brotherhood helped us get through qualifying. That brotherhood was at the core of our success. And I think this is what's important is uh, bringing that brotherhood to the forefront here in these two games uh, to allow us to, uh, to, to, to beat Jamaica. But at the same time, uh, there's elements of 2026 that I need to be on top of. And then I need to make sure that it, it, during this process, uh, there's certain opportunities that are given along the way so that now uh, in two years or three years from now, uh, that transition is complete and players are ready to now perform for 2026. Interim Canadian men's national team head coach Mauro Biello there just chatting about his squad selection for these two big games against Jamaica that is coming up. We, we talked a, a little bit there and before it about... It, it's quite an older squad that he's brought in, which isn't unexpected, Zach. You asked the question about the, the brotherhood as well and trying to integrate it. Is the brotherhood still there with John Herdman moving on? I have seen a lot of people complain, though, just that there's some of the old guard that they felt was maybe time for them to move on. Is this the time for them to move on, or do they still need to, to rely on the, the Boreans and the Mark Anthony Kays and Samuel Pietz for a big doubleheader like this? But that's what he talked about. He talked about the tension between getting ready for Copa 
but also looking down the road to the World Cup, the ho- the home World Cup. Yeah, it was a good answer. Yeah, so I mean, he's always going to be living in that tension for as long as he's in the interim job, and mm-hmm. you know, for in, in his, for his sake, uh, ideally the the main job, right? So. I think I don't mind what he's doing. I know some people are frustrated or annoyed, or I know some people uh, I've heard uh, read comments like, "Oh, it's the, his death now," or he's signing his own, you know, he's signing his own, uh, you know, pink slip or whatever, you know, whatever, um, by just kind of carrying on with where things were at, um, squad wise and stuff. But well, yeah, what I, I think makes, that's makes total was, sense. Yeah, like folk were like, "Oh, we, we want to see." Will he stamp his identity on the team? And basically, no, he hasn't yet. Well, he has in the sense that it is, uh, he's carrying on, um, he's carrying on with where things were. I mean, he's bringing in players that got them to the World Cup, that got, yeah. that got, that got them to the top of CONCACAF, as I told people over and over again in Doha. But because it's like, do you want to bring in you young guys? for such big games with so much on the line that if you don't end up at Copa, your whole planning for 2026 is v- severely disrupted. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. Well, yeah, I mean, the qualification for the Copa is, yeah, with not being able to play every match in every window is incredibly significant, right? Like this playing those types of competitive matches that you're in no matter what and you will in theory make money off of um yeah are so incredibly important to the to the players to the coaches to the csa well we're going to hear from sam in a little bit and sam just to kind of preempt what he says we talk about the fact they didn't have that window in september and he feels that had a knock-on effect to how they play down in Japan. Mm. But Biello named 10 MLS players to his roster. Vancouver Whitecaps lead the way with the four call-ups, followed by TFC, LAFC, Minnesota, Montreal, Miami, New England. They've all got one player each. And There's also four former Cavs in the side as well. Yes, which always goes back to what the Whitecaps have said they'd love half at least of the 2026 squad to have come through the Whitecaps at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that's a realistic target to go for. And also a good heartwarming target to, to kind of go for. But you've got this issue, and we'll, we'll hear from Mauro talking about this as well. Just now, you've got MLS players that have finished their season and haven't been playing. So some of them haven't got called up to this squad. But you've got players that's right in the middle of the playoffs, so they're they're in form as well. But the the Nations League final is going to be in March, before a lot of these players are back fully playing. Now you have the Whitecaps guys in Champions Cup, but the majority of them won't be. So it's like again, you're balancing: do we have MLS guys in the squad? Do we just look at, at Europe? And it's a different. It's there's so many balancing acts for BLO right now. Yeah, I think he's always going to take the approach of I need to have what I think what he you know he'll be saying to himself I need to have what the best players possible right like yeah in the Mar- well I mean but you want them in form though as well that's yeah, exactly it. that's what I mean it's a combination of form and, and quality right and so I mean he's got to be hoping come March like I don't know Jonathan David actually hits form uh, Kyle Aaron's playing better yeah you know like there's some there's some massive players that are not playing well right now like and Jonathan David is uh, I'm not worried for him 
uh, like on on the bigger scale, I just feel bad for him in in, in this moment that he's he's uh, he's in a rut. Loads of strikers yeah. have it. The the rut he's in. That's a good way to put it. Hmm. I I'll play a little bit more audio from Biela just now, just talking about exactly what we've just talked about there, and and like having players in form at the right time. What you do in the next windows, and I also asked him as well about. We've, we've seen Sam Adekugbe, Richie Larea come back to the Whitecaps or come back to MLS Richie here for the first time and is, is that maybe going to be a sign are we going to see more folk coming up for 2026 heading back to this side of the pond here's some more from Mauro This maybe feels a little bit more pronounced since Sam and Junior came to came back to Vancouver but almost half of the squad, well, 9 to 23 are about to be finished for the guts of three and a half, four months with MLS not due back until late February, early March. You know, we've heard a lot from John Herdman in the last couple of years about the importance of guys playing tier one leagues and playing in Europe. He spoke about it. Is it a bit of a worry for you potentially? You know, if 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 the Jamaica playoff goes well, you're looking at a nation leagues, Nations League final in March and half of the squad might get one or two competitive club games between now and then where do you fall down on that yeah i think look it's you know i just spoke about it in in french and it's it's so important that uh, at these levels to, to have players that are in rhythm and uh you know you don't just you know when you don't play for five or six weeks or it, it's it's not easy to just turn on the switch in these types of games uh so it is important uh that that you you know in the selection process that there's players that are in rhythm that are are still playing and uh, yes there could be one or two but you can't have too many of those players in your in your in your roster and this is what we've experienced over the years and uh, you know I remember uh you know we lost to the USA in the Nations League uh, 4-1 in in November and and that was a big talking point we had a lot of uh, players out of playoffs and and not playing and didn't come in uh sharp in in that period and uh, you know and we ended up uh, dropping that game so uh, for sure, uh, you know, you, you need those players playing week in, week out and and competing at those levels. And and, uh, you know, we the, the schedule falls a little bit in, in, in that way with the MLS, uh, the, the season of the MLS that runs, uh, you know, from March to October and then has those down periods. Uh, so for us to, to make up for that, you know, there's been January camps in the past where we've been able to to work with uh, a lot of the MLS players that are out of season. And that gives them uh, also an opportunity to uh, to continue to maintain a certain form as they go into preseason. But it's definitely something, um, yeah, that if you want to compete at the highest levels, you need to be playing at those levels. And, and uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of our players are doing well or are competing in Europe. And, and there's been a lot more players that have gone across uh, that are playing in these types of championships that allows them to play a full year and, and not have the, the, the long breaks that we, you know, that some, that MLS has. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, in the end, uh, it's something that we've been dealing with over the last few years. And, uh, you know, there's there's good players in, in, in the MLS that we, that we need and that are a very important part of this team. So we find other ways to to get those players ready. And, and sometimes it's it's those January camps and and uh, hopefully you, you, you're able to, to keep them in form and to be ready for March. Yeah, you touched a little bit on the MLS players 
with four Whitecaps being in this squad, they've had that chemistry to kind of get something going. What have you made of the their playing style in Vancouver? And kind of a, a follow-up to that, in the past, John's kind of almost said that players needed to maybe veer away from MLS playing the top leagues. Do you see this as maybe a start of players starting to come back home ahead of 2026? Um, well, it's, you know, it's tough to say if, if players, uh, will come back home, but I think, um, you know, the MLS, it's, it's a solid league. Um, you know, there's, there's players that have, that have started there and have moved on to Europe. Uh, and there's players that have, you know, played in Europe and have come back. And, and, uh, so, uh, look, I think, you know, when we speak about, uh, you know, tiers and levels, it's normal that, uh, you know, as, as a coach, you want players playing at the highest levels. Uh, and there's a difference between premiership and, and MLS, right. And, and, and with, with all due respect, but, um, you know, and I think even for a player, you know, a player that, that, that has ambition and, and, and wants to, to go on to Europe and play in those leagues and, and at those levels. And for sure, they're going to, they're going to strive for that. They're going to push for that. Uh, and I think, the players in MLS and, you know, you touched on it a little bit. And, and if I think back, uh, you know, TFC and when they were doing well and, or Montreal, when they were doing well, uh, there was chemistry in those teams. And, and you think of Montreal and, you know, Alistair Johnson, Kamal playing together every day. And you think of, you know, back in the day when Ozo and Larea were together and they were just, you know, dominating a side. And, and now you see that with Vancouver. So, that's also very important when you have a group of players that are that are playing together day in day out because at the national team you don't you don't get to work with uh, with the players they're they're developing they're working at their clubs when they come in you have a you have a day and a half of training two days of training and you try to piece it all together but when you have uh, numerous players playing at a club i i think that's that, that works well and you used to see that back in the day and even in europe would you you would see the top clubs at Juventus, uh, you know, the back line would be playing together and they'd be on the national team together. And it's it's all about cohesion. It's all about seeing things together. And, and, and you know, I think there's a lot of benefits uh, with that. So, Mauro Biello there, just talking about balancing that act and, like, will the players come back? And... His answer to my question about the MLS thing, he was picking his words carefully because you don't want to do a disservice to MLS because who knows if Mauro Biello doesn't get the Canada job, could he be walking into the Montreal job that is now up for grabs? So you don't want to suddenly piss all over the league that you might be coming to work in. Returning to the Montreal job. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got that aspect as well. And I think everyone would agree you're going to be playing at the top level over in Europe. But I, I do think we're going to see more players possibly coming back here. And it's going to be interesting to see how John Herman approaches that in TFC because he's going to want players that he knows that he's worked with to try and come in and fix that bomb scare that he's got there. Sorry, did you just call what's happening at TFC a bomb scare? Yeah. Yeah, That's I my mean... my polite, non-swearing way of calling no, it. I mean, no... <laughs> It, it, he's definitely going to, all coaches want to work with players that they know and that they, yeah. 
no, not just what in terms of what they can get from them on the field, but also they know them as people and what to expect from them as personalities and and how they are a part of the the team. And we know that that's extremely important to to John Herdman, right? So it, no one will be surprised at all to see an, any number of players that he's worked with in the past come and be a part of what he's doing there. You see it already with his choices for you know the the background staff or the or the the, the rest of the staff at the club. He's done that, right? Um, bringing in former women's player Robin Gale, right? Um, so yeah, you'll consider you'll consider to see that Terry was involved with the national team, right? Terry's staying on, right? Like so, yeah, it's going to be the same on the on the playing side as well. Mm. Of course, one of the the players that has come back to MLS is Sam Arakugbi here in Vancouver. So we're going to bring you one of two interviews now that we did this past week with two of the Canadian caps. Starting off with Sam. It's the three-headed AFTN Cerberus, myself, Zach and Felipe having a chat with Sam about primarily this game's coming up against Jamaica, but also a little look back on the Whitecaps season and his time here as well. Here's Sam Arakugby. Hey Sam, just a Whitecaps one just to start with. You had about three months with the club. Obviously the, the season didn't end the way anyone wanted. The general feeling amongst the players that we've spoken to seems to be you felt you could have gone more. There was a lot more in this team to give and you, you've got a bit of frustration, I guess, going into next year, which you can then use to build on. How do you look back at your first three months back at the club, both for you personally and for, for how the club did? Yeah, well, I definitely do feel like we left ourselves short. We could have done a lot more. Um, I think we had a competitive team and the team was doing well before the, we came in the middle of the season. So, of course, it's, it's disappointing. And from a personal perspective, you know, it was hard for me to get fully fit. I was, you know, coming into the club with a with a with an injury that obviously affected the way I played and how I was able to train and um, so that was difficult and frustrating, but, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic for myself and for the team next year, you know, um, we're hungry, we know what we need to do to be more successful, you know, the club is still in a good position, uh, we have a chance to, you know, to win the Canadian Cup next year and make it three in a row, so there's a lot of positives to build on, but yeah, I definitely do feel that, like, uh, we left ourselves a little bit short. Turning attention to Canada now, two huge games, obviously, coming up against Jamaica, not having that September window and then the, the game in Japan was really your only time to get together and get things going. What do you feel the group has learned from that Japan game? And did it feel a little bit kind of different under Myro than it did back in John's days? Or was it just kind of a continuation? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously different. They're uh, two different people, of course, two different coaches. Um but, you know, the group is still the group and we still have that brotherhood. We still have a connection amongst each other. And if anything, the Japan game was humbling. You know, it shows that, you know, there's still work to need that needs to be done. Um, we're still not where we need to be. And quite frankly, that, you know, we felt that in Japan, you know, it's a good opposition. Um, it's obviously a contrasting games compared to when we last played and when we won. So, um, of course, not having that that previous camp to get together, probably... Um, played a part in that but you know we still know we're a competitive team in uh, CONCACAF and we know that on our best day we can beat anyone and 
we're all looking forward to Jamaica and we're looking forward to, you know, winning the games. Obviously, these are two very tough games and the chance to go to, to Copa, you've had a World Cup experience now and I think from a Canadian perspective, with all respect to the Gold Cup, Copa is a big thing. It's almost like a mini World Cup with the players that are there, the teams that are there. What would that experience be like for you to, to get a chance to have a crack at those oppositions, especially with a view to 2026, where you're getting these early tests to, to work on some stuff? Yeah, definitely. It's it's an important time for us, like you said, to get an early crack and test ourselves against some of the some of the best teams in the world. And that's something we're we're, we're looking at doing. That's why these we understand the nature of these games coming up against Jamaica and how important they are. Um, and quite frankly, we want to be playing against some of the best teams in the world. And to do that, we have to get a result in these next two games. So we're definitely looking forward to embracing the challenge. We know Jamaica is not going to be an easy game. You know, we, we know they've improved their squad and it's not easy for traveling there and playing. So we know it's going to be a challenge, but, you know, I, I back the national team, you know, we've seen the fruits of our labor in the past and we have that experience of, you know, going through the qualifications of getting to the world cup and playing in important matches and going to places where it's difficult to get results and we're getting results there. So, you know, of course, it's going to be different under Mauro's leadership, but, you know, we have our faith in our coach. We know he can take us where we need to get to. And it's just about the players, you know, dialing in and focusing on getting past Jamaica. I want to ask you about um, something that John said before when he was coach about having wanting to have as many players in tier one leagues as possible. Now we have yourself, Richie, Junior, and even Ali in the white caps and the MLS. Do you think that sort of emphasis is starting to change a bit now with the national team and that it doesn't have to be, you know, just players in Europe and you guys can still have quality and compete with players being in the MLS? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I do understand the concept uh, between, between John's uh, uh, want for having players in tier one, but, you know, I think MLS is definitely a growing league and, you know, the World Cup's around the corner and the league will continue to improve. And I think obviously the media that's been around for the years have seen the the rise of the league. And um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's obviously where it's at, but I, I have no doubt in my mind that it will that it will become a tier one league. Speaking specifically about Ali, you've got to know him day in and day out for the last few months, you know, since the Gold Cup and how have you found his growth? What do you think his projection is going to be specifically with the national team as his career continues? Yeah, I, I think Ali is obviously a very, very good player. And he's also a very good kid. You know, he's very humble. He works hard and he has so much quality. And I think it's uh, I think people are just seeing the, the glimpse of it. You know, I think there's still much more to come for him. I think he has something that a lot of players don't have. He has a lot of fearlessness and I'm so happy he's going to be in the national team and I hope he gets a chance to showcase himself like he did in the Gold Cup. And like I said, I think his his future is it's in his hands. You know, I think he has so much quality. It's just about his drive and his determination. Obviously, the focus is on the games against Jamaica, but looking ahead a bit, let's say that it goes well, those games, the one disadvantage that a lot of players in the MLS have to the players in Europe is that you guys are now in your off season and with potentially a window in March, only having one or two games under your belt compared to players in Europe 
who are, are have already been, you know, in the midst of their season. How are you hoping to keep fit and keep sharp in this offseason in case that you do have to get uh, put the shirt back on for Canada come March time? Yeah, I think it's just about doing what you need to do. That's being in the gym. That's maybe coming back a little bit earlier in training. But there's, players have been in this situation before. We had it with the with the, with the qualification campaign, and we were able to get results in the March window. So it's obviously a tricky situation. But yeah, a lot of players will be able to handle it. One of the you talked about this a little bit, a little bit but what what kind of confidence can you take from your experiences against Jamaica? Obviously, they're in better form than they were, but the last time you played, and obviously you have the away game first, but the last time you played Jamaica at BMO was like an, an historic occasion. Um, what can you take, uh, personally as a player, as a squad, can take from the, the conference you've had and recent results against them? Yeah, of course. You know, last time we played them, we enjoyed the game and we enjoyed the the, the moments after the game. So we have a lot of confidence heading into the game, but that's just the confidence we have on ourselves. You know, we um, people forget that Canada is still a good team. Yeah, it's been a bit bumpy with, you know, obviously the off, off the field situation, but we still have good players in a very competitive team. And I think we'll show that again in these next two games. And yeah, we still have that confidence. We still believe in ourselves and we just want to get back to playing football and showing the country how good we are. Amaro's chosen to kind of continue with the brotherhood that, that got through World Cup qualification and 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 played at the World Cup. Um, are you What are you looking forward to most about, about some of the players that are returning, like um, obviously Tejan Buchanan and others? Uh, what are you looking forward to playing with them again? Yeah, definitely. You know, these are, Tejan's an important player and these players bring a lot of quality and yeah, like you said, he brought a group. I guess that's uh, you know, that's that's been together for quite some time, and I think we all know each other. We all we all know each other so well. We played a lot of games together. Uh, we're hoping to see that chemistry uh, bears fruits when we when we play against Jamaica. But yeah, having these players come back into the frame definitely boosts the team's ability. Thanks so much, Sam. All the best against Jamaica and beyond. Thanks, Sam. Good luck with these two games. Thank you very much. Sam be there. And it's interesting in a way that he, he he's going to be involved in this. And I wonder how much minutes he'll see because he has been struggling with a knee injury down the stretch for the Whitecaps. But you're not going to pass up the chance to play for your country in two big games as well. I just hope he doesn't aggravate it or make it any worse in any way, shape or form. But I think he and, might just see limited minutes. Yeah, and like any player, he was confident, right, Michael? And, yeah. and being able to get through these matches and also do what he needs to do to get ready for the next club season and, you know, the big dates coming, ideally coming up for the, the national team as well. So, yeah, I, it was, that was a very professional answer, I think, that he, that, he, that he gave to that. And he knows what's on the line for him. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about, about him taking care of himself. I think he knows what to do. Uh, Sam touched as well on his Whitecaps teammate Ali Ahmed as well, who's got the call up, and we're going to hear from Ali in the next part as well as we continue our Canadian national team chat, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ali Ahmed. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our second of our Artists of the Month here at AFTN for November from New Zealand, lo-fi punk band Dick Move. And that's a song from their second album, Wet, that was released last month. It's the second track on the album, and that was Under My Skin, A Love Song. Not one of the singles released from the album so far, but there has been a couple. You can check out all their stuff on Bandcamp, dickmove2.bandcamp.com. Great band to check out. You can find them in all the other usual places as well. And in this part, we're going to continue our international football chat. And you know what Whitecaps and Canadian national team player we love here at AFTN? Ali Ahmed, of course. It was great to see Ali get his latest call-up to the Canadian national team by Myro Biello for these two matches coming up with Jamaica. He's had four appearances for his country so far, all at this year's Gold Cup. The Toronto native played one of those games against Guadeloupe in Toronto, now going back and having the chance to pull on the jersey for his national team in front of his family and friends in his hometown. Coming off a fantastic first MLS season with the Whitecaps, he did make two appearances for the Whitecaps last year as an MLS Next Pro call-up, but this was his first season as a fully-fledged first-team player. He made 22 appearances over the season in MLS for the Caps, 12 of them start, logging just over 1,100 minutes and getting two goals and two assists on the season as well. It was a a great year for Ali. It's one he can certainly build upon going into 2024. And for me, definitely one of the the standout players for the team this year. One of the best young players on the team this year as well. And rightly getting rewarded with this call-up after missing out on a call-up for the trip down to Japan last month. So I got a chance to sit down with Ali this week just to ask him about the call-up, his season that he's had with the Whitecaps and looking ahead to these two massive games with Jamaica. Once again, it was the three-headed AFTN Cerberus that fired the questions myself, Zach and Felipe. So go stick the kettle on again. Grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy a chat with Whitecaps and Canada's Ali Ahmed. We'll focus on Canada, Ali. Big couple of big games coming up for for you yourself. You've got a chance now to wear your national team jersey in basically your home city and in front of fa- friends and family. What is that occasion going to mean to you? Uh, it's a huge, huge honor. You know, obviously, I had the privilege to do that earlier in the summer, uh, and. You know, that was, you know, more than a dream, not even just for me, my family, my uh, friends and, you know, all my close peers, you know, to to play at BMO Stadium. You know, we all uh, grew up attending, you know, watching some Canada games, uh, you know, so it was special for me to be a part of that team and just put on that jersey, you know, and represent your country, you know, and just, you know, in some way try to give back, you know, for 
you know, especially for me growing up in this country. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a special honor. It's a pleasure to go and uh, wear that jersey and, you know, compete and, and fight with your, your, your brothers. Four white caps as well in the squad. You've had this chance to get this chemistry going over the, the last few weeks. How important is that? We were just on a call with Mauro Biello there and he, he talked about you, you can't kind of undervalue just how much importance getting that chemistry at, at club level is. Has it felt like that? Have you have you guys talked about it as a group about this game and have you wound Javain up a little bit about it? Oh, for sure. We've definitely been uh, going back and forth with Javain for a couple of weeks now, you know, since it's been made official uh, that Canada and Jamaica would be co- competing against each other. Uh, but uh, yeah, for sure, you know, having Richie, Sam, Junior, you know, and now myself too, you know, just always, uh, you know, just getting those reps in together and training and and uh, and in games, you know, you know, you you kind of know each other's tendencies, you know, so that definitely helps for sure. You know, uh, you know, everything's in sync when we're playing on the field. So, you know, that def- definitely goes up uh, away, you know, to, you know, it definitely transitions over to the national team. So I think, you know, that will help us uh, in these next two games. I want to ask you about if it feels different this time than when you were called up with the Gold Cup. In the Gold Cup, it was a much changed Canadian side, a lot of rotation. But now in such a crucial match in this Nations League with potential uh, consequences in terms of Copa America qualification, you were called up once again with a full strength side with a lot of the players that we saw at the World Cup. Does that mean something different to you, knowing that the, you're uh, have been so impressive both for the national team and for the Whitecaps for you to make the cut for this crucial window? Yeah, yeah, you know, it does definitely feel a little different, I would say. Like you said, it was a, you know, earlier in the summer, it was, a, you know, a bit of a rotation uh, with the squad. But I wouldn't say it's a big, huge difference. You know, I think maybe even last squad, maybe just six, six seven guys were just missing. You know, the, the rest of the guys were there. You know, but obviously, you know, this one, I think, you know, we know what's on the line. You know, it's pretty huge. Uh, what's on the line. So, I th- and, you know, like you said, full strength squad and we're fighting for something huge and big. So, you know, it definitely, you know, I would say, you know, proud of myself to, to be there with, uh, with the full strength, you know, and, uh, you know, just, you know, you want to be, you want to be playing with the best and, uh, and, you know, here's the ch- my chance. Since the Gold Cup, uh, what have you made of your own progress since then between the two call-ups? How you've grown, especially alongside now some of your Canadian men's national team teammates in the club day in, day out. Do you feel more prepared for this window than you did for the Gold Cup? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you know, once you, you, you know, I got my first call, you know, I think I learned a lot from that. You know, now I'm going into my second one. So I know, you know, some of the ins and outs of some of the guys there and you know what it takes to be there and stuff so you know I'm a little more experienced I would say not too obviously not too experienced but you know I know a bit now and uh, you know obviously having the three other guys here you know definitely you know it will go a long way for me you know I build a good relationship with all three of those guys so you know that will help me off and on the field going going to camp now and you know obviously you know building a relationship with those guys you know they you know, they help you, you know, they, they, they give me some valuable uh, lessons, you know, how to, 
you know, carry myself as a pro when I'm there or when I'm here. So uh, definitely having those guys help. Are there any players that you're excited to play alongside that you didn't have the opportunity to play with at the goal club in this upcoming window? Uh, yeah, all the guys, honestly, all the guys, you know, just to be able to play with, uh, you know, guys who are playing in uh, the highest highest level in the world. It's, it's, it's going to be special. And, you know, as a player, like I said, you want to be one of those players. You want to be, you know, you want to you want to be playing against, you know, guys who are playing at the highest level, you know, and, uh, you know, I think it will help me and help me grow and help me, you know, bring my quality up. And, you know, looking forward to that, you know, looking forward to see what that level is. So uh, I'm looking forward to all those guys. The World Cup qualification uh, process for for the men's national team was uh, really kind of brought together in this idea of brotherhood that that Herdman kind of installed. And Mauro has kind of continued on with that. Um, I'm just wondering your your perspective on, yeah, you've had your, your first time in, you're being brought back in. What it's what was what has it been like for you to break into the brotherhood or be enfolded into the brotherhood? What's that what's that process been like for you and, and how have you found it? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh before getting into squad, obviously, you know, like last year, you watch a lot of the games, you know, you watch a lot of the stuff going on with the national team, and you see you see John uh, you know, preach brotherhood and you know just try to build that camaraderie my bad I couldn't even say that word but you know you see uh you see that so um honestly it was easy for me honestly gold cup you guys made it very easy for me to integrate with the guys and you know just off the field you know amazing guys on the field amazing guys you really feel that brotherhood so I would say I felt that brotherhood from day one when I was there in the summer um and you know i think it's not something that's just uh out there you know it, it really is true it really is true when you when you get into that group you feel you feel uh, that brotherhood and on the field and off the field you fight for each other you're a very diverse player you can play multiple positions you've shown that in vancouver um in an in an ideal scenario for ali obviously you're not morrow's making the decisions where would you ideally love to play for canada if you could choose um, you know, obviously, uh, lately, I mean, the last part of the season over here, you know, I think I, you know, uh, solidified just playing in the midfield. So I think, and I've been enjoying it. So I think, you know, if I was able to to get in that midfield like, again and just continue progressing and growing, you know, and developing in that role, I think, you know, I, w- I would love that and I would enjoy that. So, you know, just just the, more of the same, you know, uh, from what it's been like over here. World Cup alleys are obviously quite a few years away yet. With all respect to the Gold Cup, I think Copa America, just in standing a world football, is kind of thought of as maybe a bigger thing. And there's a lot more bigger names possibly playing in Copa. So without getting too far ahead, because two very tough games coming up, other qualification stuff as well, to get a chance though to play at a tournament like Copa, against those world-class players? Does it just kind of bring tingles to you thinking about that? Yeah, for sure. You know, it goes. I think it goes back to the same uh, topic about, you know, playing with the best. So, and like you said, I think Copa America is a different level, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, growing up watching, you know, all these high-level players and, 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 high, and high football, uh, you know, quality, 
that you you want you you dream to be a part of that you dream to be competing like like they like they do so for sure you know i think and i think we have the the team to do that you know i think i kind of think we you know we can kind of um you know not not focus too much about you know playing against uh the, the these this this player that player that team you know instead of just focus like we 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 are that team you know we are we are those guys you know and uh, go out there and and show them and compete you know and forget who we're playing and forget what team we're playing what, what player we're playing and just go do our job just last thing bringing it back to the white caps season obviously now over how do you look back at this year both for you on a personal level but also just for how well the team did getting to the playoffs winning a, a canadian championship the general feeling, like from the couple of guys we've spoken to, is felt you could have maybe gone a little bit further, and there's a little bit of frustration about that, which you can then use to carry into next year. But how do you look back overall on the year that's been? Exactly, I think the guys said it right. You know, I think uh, I think we we felt we could have gone, you know, further in the playoffs. We felt like we had the group of guys. We felt like we had the the quality to to go to go deep but i think you know you know maybe you could say some experience uh you know is needed so i think you know i think this was a step in the right direction i think we can use this step to build on for next year for next year you know and next year i think this step that we took will help us take the next step which is i th- i feel like uh, you know is is mls cup finals for us and i think you know we got to set that expectation and that standard from day 1 and if I'm being real honest with you, I don't know if we really, you know, set that standard and that expectation from day one coming into this year. You know, so I think, you know, I think belief is a main reason. I think now we sh- we we showed ourselves that, you know, we, we could be, you know, top four, top three, top three in the league. So, uh, you know, we got to come in from day one and and believe that we're going to be a, a top three team and, and, and head to the MLS Cup final. Yeah, so you know, I think, like you said, we could also use that fuel, that that fuel, to come into next year, uh, and and not want to have that first round exit like we just had right now because it burns, it stinks. Now we gotta watch uh, the other teams compete for the MLS Cup final while we're we're home, you know, which sucks. But uh, I'm pretty sure we're, I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna have another uh, special year next year, and I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, obviously, personally, I think it was a good year for myself. You know, uh, my first year, you know, I, you know, I got to I can't be too greedy, you know, so I got to be proud of myself. But, uh, you know, I got to I can't look back. I got to, you know, set higher standards and expectations for myself and just keep going and and keep growing and, uh, you know, developing and take my game, hopefully to, uh, you know, another level, you know, use my first year as a learning lesson to, to come back and fix all those mistakes I had in the, my first year. So it should be good next year. Thanks so much, Ali. It's been a pleasure watching your, your growth this year. Good luck in these two games coming up as well. And yeah, we'll see you next year. Thank you, man. See you guys. Great stuff from Ali there. 
We wish Canada all the very best in these two matches against Jamaica. Hope Ali and the Whitecaps guys in particular really rise to the occasion and get the job done. For the red and white, will it be a big win for Canada? It's going to be a couple of tough games, got to say. If they do get by, it's not going to be a massive amount. We're not looking at a 31 to nil scoreline here, which of course was the heaviest ever defeat in international football as Australia thumped American Samoa by that scoreline back in 2001. Archie Thompson got 13 goals that day for the Aussies. David Drulich grabbed eight. And it was a game that led to a 2014 documentary and now a 2023 movie, both of which were called Next Goal Wins. And we're going to turn our attention to that now as we bring you the latest TVOD. TVOD 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 So it's been a while since we had one of these TVOD sections and as I've always said when we've done this, it's not just TV that we're going to cover in this section. We also cover movies, documentaries, some of which do end up, of course, on TV. And we're going to talk about the new film that gets released this Friday, November the 17th. It's a football movie and you don't get too many of them getting such a, a big release in the cinemas and film in question is the biographical sports comedy drama Next Goal Wins. It's a film directed by Kiwi Teka Waititi, who you might know from a number of things. For me, the man behind Jojo Rabbit, which was an absolutely fantastic film. One of my favourite films of recent times as well. And to help me talk about the film... Welcome back to the show for her first appearance since December 2017, Caitlin McCall. Thank you for having me. Or forcing you, really, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. So the reason Caitlin is on this is got an invite to an advanced screening of Next Goal Wins. So I thought, why don't I take someone with me that's not a football fan? just to kind of see what they make about the film, so we can kind of talk about how I'm looking at it from a football fan and how she looks at it from a non-football fan, just somebody that likes movies and likes to have a laugh every now and again. Now, just to give you a little bit of background to this, if anyone is unaware, and I kind of talked about it in the precursor to this segment, American Samoa got beat in a World Cup qualifier 31-0 by Australia back in 2001. Ten years later, there was a documentary made called Next Goal Wins. It's also based as a, a book around this as well. But it was a British documentary that was released in 2014. And it chronicles the national team of American Samoa as they try to kind of recover from that biggest loss in international football and try and rebuild and as they begin their qualifying campaign to get to Brazil for the 2014 World Cup. 
Now, we won't spoil too much about what happens in the documentary, what happens in the film, because obviously if you haven't seen it, we want you to, to enjoy it. And if you don't know the story, we want you to enjoy it. All I'll say is, my only spoiler, they didn't get to the World Cup in Brazil in 2014. But that's probably no surprise, considering we're talking about the team that was ranked 204th in the world. And heading into this qualifying campaign, had conceded 228 international goals and hadn't scored any. So that was the task that was facing American Samoa. And the man that was tasked with trying to get them their first goal, get them their first win, was Dutch head coach Thomas Rongen. And MLS fans might have known Rongen from his time well, as a player back in the NESL days. He played with a, a number of teams, LA Aztecs, Washington Diplomats, Fort Lauderdale, lots of others as well. And then as a manager, he managed in MLS with Tampa Bay Mutiny, New England Revolution, DC United, Chivas, was also in charge of the American under-20 team from 2006 to 2011. And in 2011, he became the head coach of American Samoa. And the documentary chronicles him arriving there, just learning about the different cultures, trying to get the team ready for three World Cup qualifiers that they were going to play against Tonga, Cook Islands and Samoa, and just trying to turn the worst team in the world around and, and see what they can do. So, I mean, without going into the spoilers, as I mentioned, there's a lot of kind of Hollywood stuff in the whole story, especially because of where they came from, from that big heavy defeat. You've got things like the goalkeeper, Nicky Salapu, coming out of retirement to come back and play in these qualifiers because he wants some redemption. And interestingly, a Cascadia connection because Nicky Salapu actually lives in Seattle these days as well. So that was the whole documentary. It was released in 2014. It's one of my favourite football documentaries and it got a lot of critical acclaim. And it was just itching to be kind of turned into a Hollywood blockbuster, which it now has been by Taika Waititi. As I mentioned, gets released on November 17th by Searchlight Pictures. And the film chronicles the story. Rongan's arrival, the World Cup qualifiers, trying to get the team into shape, aftermath, everything like that. So, Caitlin, you saw this film as a non-football person, as somebody that didn't know that the story to it. How would you review this film? What, what was your thoughts on it? As someone that really doesn't know anything at all about football, I, I basically went along because I was like, well, I don't know anything about American Samoa. And, it, you know, to be honest, the scenery just looked nice. So if nothing else, <laughs> um, you know, I'd have some pretty tropical kind of islandy scenery to look at. And you were getting free popcorn. Yes, free popcorn is always is always a main reason for me to go to the movies. I was kind of happy that there was a good mix of, you know, not just the football aspect, but also other things that they dealt with, like the coach kind of settling into the culture there and, and kind of meeting people and, you know, getting to know his team that he was coaching and things like that and some personal aspects of his life. And then also the culture of the, the island of American Samoa. 
and just them training the whole thing. You know, it's kept my interest uh, all the way through, despite the film being about football and me not really being a football fan. And of course, there is a lot of like off the pitch storylines that that run through as well. One of the big ones being the in American Samoa, there's there's three genders. There's there's male, there's female, and there's fafafini, which is kind of like a third gender non-binary. And one of the players is Fafafini, Jaya, and she plays a, a very important role in the film and the, the documentary. But one thing I would say is, like, from watching the documentary, there were some big differences from the original storyline to, to this. The, the three games that are kind of covered in the World Cup qualifiers are played a little bit in a different order, Thomas Wrongen, he's kind of, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Caitlin, he kind of, he comes across as a bit of a grump in the movie. He doesn't want to be there. He's been sent there. And that, that, that wasn't true because he applied for the job. He was the only person that applied for the job. And in the movie, he arrives there on his own, whereas in reality, he arrived with his wife, Gail. Um, they both embraced the culture. They both embraced everything about it. And I, I think it's also important to to know that they were both there because this was also kind of a an important spiritual journey for the couple because they'd taken this job after a, a very hard personal loss that, that they had suffered. But in the movie, for dramatic effect... They, they kind of make it that he's won over and like doesn't want to be there, but after a while he falls in love with the place, which is different, but I guess it does make for a, a more dramatic effect in the film. Uh, yes, he, he does come across as kind of reluctantly being there uh, in the movie. He's like sent there kind of with no choice to go. So uh, yeah, it was interesting to see that, that that isn't really what happened in reality. Another discrepancy that actually really bothered me was like in the documentary Thomas Rowan and his wife are are very open and welcoming to Gia the Fafafini player and they they come across or he comes across a little bit kind of more prejudiced at first in the film and is then won over but he accepted her right away so that I feel was a little bit of a misrepresentation obviously isn't as good for the the story if that was the case because they had to show him overcoming anything like that to to be more accepting of her and i think what you have to do between the two the documentary in this is you've got to separate it the documentary is real life this is done for entertainment so if you've seen the first one and you go to this don't expect it to be the same it's got to be done for entertainment because it's trying to attract a whole new audience which i think it's going to do michael fassbender plays Thomas Wrongen as well. I, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any um, films with Michael Fassbender in it. Maybe I have, but I, I thought he did a really great job in this film as well. Not known as a comedy actor either, but really kind of capturing the comedy aspect in it. For me though, Caitlin, the, the person in this that steals the show is Oscar Kitely, who plays Tavita. Tavita? I can't remember how it was pronounced. But he's like the head of the American Samoa Football Federation, who every single scene you see him in is wearing some official 
Federation equipment, everything's branded for, for the Federation. That's how proud he is to be in, in charge of it. But he was hilarious and really stole the show for me. Yes, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, he definitely was the the highlight of the show comedy-wise, for sure. So, I mean, it's, it's an enjoyable romp. It's a lot of fun. Which I, I spoke to a couple of other folks that were at the screening, and they hadn't they hadn't heard of the story, they hadn't seen the documentary. So for them, they they enjoyed it, and it was something that that was new to them. So if you go there just looking for an entertainment thing, it's great. If you know the background and you know the original documentary, there might be some little things in it that that you're not as keen on. My my only other complaint, and I can't believe I'm saying this because it's I usually complain that films are too long. I thought in this case, this was a film that could really do with an extra maybe 20 minutes just to flesh it out a little bit and to to not end so abruptly and just to tell the tale maybe just a, a little bit more. Yes, I felt the exact same way. I did think it, it kind of ended almost unexpectedly and you kind of go, wait a minute, uh, there should be there should be a little bit more, as Michael says, uh, like fleshed out a little bit just for an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes just to kind of wrap it all up a bit more, you know, succinctly with a little bow. But in, in short, if you're a football fan, you'll enjoy it. And if your significant other isn't a football fan, take them along as well, because I think they will also enjoy it and, and get a lot out of the film. Opens in cinemas on Friday. If you do go along, let us know. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. We'd love to know what you make of it, especially if you've seen the original 2014 documentary. If you were just going to watch one, I would always say pick the original, the, the documentary, because it's based on real life. Watch both. They're, they both do a job. They both tell the story in a great way. And it is an absolutely fantastic story. And if you're not going to keep an eye out for American Samoa's results after this, I don't know what's wrong with you. But anyway, get to see it November 17th. Next goal wins. TVOD. I don't need a TV screen. I just stick the aerial into my skin and let the signal run through my veins. TVOD. So next goal wins. Looks like a good movie. Great to have Caitlin back on the show as well there, Zach. Always good. Yes, maybe we'll get back on for the, the Christmas special as well, since that was the, her only other appearance on the show when she was in the studio up at CITR with us. That was fun. It was. I miss, I miss the studio days. I know. I, mean, I don't miss the drive, but I miss yeah, the Yeah, it's even worse drive for you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the pre-recorded stuff's way better. But next goal wins in cinemas from Friday. Do you think it's a film you might go along to see, you might take the family to, to go along and see? My kids have seen the the trailers and stuff, and they see Taika Waititi's name attached to it. So they're like, what's this, Dad? Are we going to see this? I, I, I don't know if I'll see it in the theater. I'll definitely watch it at some point. It's a good watch. I, I, I've, read, I, I've read the book. I've read the book 31 nil, right? Which Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the story. And Magneto there <laughs> plays uh, plays Thomas Rongen. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. He's also one of the many great actors who was a part of Band of Brothers which I have a lot of time for. Yeah, no, I think it's, I don't know if I'll see it in theaters for sure, but I'll definitely, I'll definitely go watch it. I definitely will watch it at some point. 
yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun, and I, I hope it does well. If anyone's going expecting it to be a kind of Ted Lasso thing as, as well, it's... I, I guess that the changes that they've made to Rongan's character probably has part of Ted Lasso behind it, because folk like that, but yeah. And it, it would be interesting if we can try and get Thomas Rongan on the show, that'd be fantastic. I'd love to know what he makes of the portrayal of himself, because it's not the most flattering as opposed to the reality but yeah as i said let us know what you think if you do go and see it on a separate note my wife my i finally got my wife to um to watch um ted lasso so we she's watched season one we now got season two and it's we're a couple episodes in or whatever it's it's been fun to rewatch it with her i still haven't seen one episode of it Oh, Michael. I, yeah. I am going to because I've someone's gave us a free Apple TV pass for three months, so I'm going nice. to like get it set up once. So now the football stuff's kind of all done and dusted, and I've got a bit more time, so I, I will be binging that. So that should be good. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And I think it would, it's a kind of yeah, kind of show you can watch with Caitlin because there, it's yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's got a lot of layers to it that that are enjoyable. I, I'll convert her to be a football fan at some one point. of these days. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is nearly it for the show of course we can't finish without this episode's wavelength well we could but it's contractually obligated that we have to finish with wavelength no I joke I just love playing these songs and if you're a new listener our wavelength section is where we play a song about football it could be by a proper band or singer it could be by a footballer it could be by football teams we travel the world we've been playing these songs since 2017 and i still haven't run out i've still got a load to to bring you in the months to come hopefully i will never run out or have to resort to playing just foreign language songs of which there is tons which you can find on a website called 45football.com incidentally which is where I actually found this song. Because when Canada played Japan last month, I wanted to get a song about the Japanese national team. And then I ended up not playing it in the show. But I thought, well, we'll play it now, because we've just played Japan. And it's it's a song by a Japanese reggae dub artist. And you don't get many of them. No. And since we're playing Jamaica... And that's where reggae and everything obviously comes from that area. This is a singer called Jamin Man. And his song from 1998, celebrating Japan, getting to their first ever World Cup. It's simply called Japanese Football Team. All of the Japanese football fans, Japanese boys are France. Who know ready for this song? This is me, Jamine Man. Japanese boys, come on! Come on, kick off! Japanese football team win a World Cup. Me no stop, respect them to the max. Japanese football team win a World Cup. Japanese DJ me a show them the rap. If ball, be a ball, and a control. If you are smart, then my call me to fall. If them trouble, you pass to the wall. If you get through, run to the gold. Run, never walk, you Japanese talk like Ike Ike Maware, Ula Maware, Bautia, Ikude Mawasu de Uteke. Shoot ball, shoot ball, any, any, Kana, shoot ball, to the goal, who a goal. If I can't reach, can't touch in such an area. Goalkeeper scared, I can't reach far. If you succeed, you are get score. Japanese score, you are superstar. There's a goal. Make your goal. Make them fun. 
Something a little different for you, some Japanese reggae and dub. Jamin Man and Japanese football team. That is it for this episode of the show. It's not been as long as some of his other ones, but a lot of good chat in it. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Anything funny caught your eye? Anything you just want to finish off by saying? No, I uh, I don't know. I enjoyed the show. Um, I do want to say that, you know, um, Miami might have lost the Noche d'Or or the Golden Knight, I guess. Um, but don't worry. They started the night by having Messi walk, walk out with his Ballon d'Or. So there, really? was, there was one trophy on display. There was for, one door. Yeah, there was one door for them. Uh, wow. That was, uh, that was, yeah, we talked about it before. I didn't enjoy that being given to him. But One last thing I want to say, we mentioned in the last part, Mauro Biello could be in line for the Montreal head coaching's job, which has now become available. Oh, yeah. And do you know who I think could be a, a, a man that might get this? If he doesn't get the Colorado Rapids job, which he is in the mix for, Pamadou Ka. Oh, yeah, I saw him for that one. Speaks uh, French. Good pedigree. Oui, oui. 
I think he could very much be up there. Bobby Smyrniotis, of course, is a name that everyone will put forward. Maybe maybe he's been doing Duolingo and learning some French to, to help him get the get the job. But yeah, that's gonna be an interesting appointment for Montreal. Yeah, it's gonna be see it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I think I've seen uh, this is I know been thrown around in the past about trying to bring Jesse Marsh back. Mm. I don't I don't see him wanting to go back there, but I don't know. But we'll, we'll get Eve on in one of the, the sort of end of season shows as well, just to talk about the state of Montreal and what's happened to them. But yeah, that's going to be a very interesting appointment. Uh, that's it for the show. Read all our stuff, aftn.ca. Going to have a ton of college soccer stuff going up on the site this week. And watch our tweets. We'll be tweeting out where you can watch SFU men and women in their postseason as their NCAA Division Two National Tournament gets underway. Follow our stuff on YouTube as well, backslash AFTN Canada. I'll be getting out to some VMSL games over the next little while. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps. And Ali Le Rouge. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.